This is the Matt Townsend Show. Your guide on the side. Follow Dr. Matt on Twitter at Dr. Matt Show. Call the show at 1-855-CHAT-BYU. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Dr. Matt Townsend. Now on BYU Radio. BYU Radio. Good morning, gang. Welcome to the program. Dr. Matt here with Terry and Jeff. I'm back. Feels good to be back and see my, my good brethren. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for that tepid response. A warm response from the crowd. That was uh, like, not oh, very warm. He's, but he's back. <laughs> so good to be back. And uh, happy Wednesday to you. Wow. Oh, wow. Okay. I never thought I'd say this. But we maybe need to learn some lessons from the media. What? They have one, two, what have they had now? Three, four uh, stars. Mm-hmm. Alleged to have committed uh, sexual harassment or other so things, and they're immediately terminated. Who do you have? Bill O'Reilly. Bill O'Reilly. Uh, Roger Ailes. Uh, Charlie Rose. Oh, that's right. Matt Lauer. Charlie Rose. That uh, happened over Thanksgiving ABC break. guy Halperin. Has that, uh, Mark Halperin. His, he was fired. But the funny thing is the, when the media has a person that gets in trouble, they immediately, it seems like, well, immediately now, now they're doing it. Yeah. They didn't do it for years. Now they just fire him. And now Matt Lauer, fired, terminated, done. Congress, on the other hand, we got to talk about it. Think about it. Talk about their great history, their great contributions to the world. That is interesting. And I, everybody always thought that the media had no morals or no scruples or the Hollywood, by the way, did the same thing, right? Hollywood, when they hear about it, they're now finally doing something about it. Yeah. But our Republic, I mean, our Congress isn't. They just, they don't want to move on it yet. Can you imagine somebody that you've well, worked with for decades, you come in the next day to work and oh. they're no longer there? Yeah. Because and, of all this baggage. Well, and then you wonder, has, does everybody know? Is everybody talking about this? Did, did everybody know and nobody – they just smiled and looked the other way as people were being harassed and his, abused? His co-hosts certainly seemed to be thrown for a loop. Oh, yeah. I don't know. It's just – it's it's a crazy world. And what a – wow, what a way to come back. Meanwhile, you've got the whole thing still going on with Alabama – they haven't voted yet. The 12th. <laughs> Is it the 12th? Man, that thing, yeah, so it was like one month away, and it seems that, like it's been three months. That week's going to be interesting. The 12th of December is that vote. Yeah. The 14th is the net neutrality vote. Oh, wow. And the 15th is Star Wars. So there you go. Oh, Way to put heavens. things in perspective. There, right there. <laughs> you see how his brain works? That is such a strange brain. It's What a weird calendar your brain carries. Christmas, Christmas starts after Star Wars. Yeah. Oh, is that how that's Notice okay. Christmas yeah, yeah. was yeah. not a part of that list. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, it's later. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. I'll start shopping at that point. Boy, I did I did some shopping. I actually was a part of Cyber Monday. Yeah, I cybered up. I bought some. I'm not going to tell you because my wife will hear. We're done, so we can just sit back and enjoy. You're done December. shopping. We're done. We're done wrapping. What? Yeah. Drop okay. a, drop a beat. What are you, what are you talking what about? Do you, what do you? We don't we don't have anything left to do. We can just enjoy well, the Christmas season. Scratching records in the back of the room. What are you doing? Yeah, they dropped a beat. <laughs> <laughs> um that's you're done. Yeah. Well, okay, except for what Santa brings. Oh right. But you know, we have no control over that. Don't you? You can't mail him something. You can't we, we've call already, something in. We've already mailed the letters to Santa. 
It's all done. You've done everything. Yeah. Why are you in such a hurry? I don't know. We just couldn't wait this year, and we had an itch. We scratched it, yeah. and now we can just sit back and enjoy it. Well, I, I noticed. Well, you know, did you notice he had all that those scratch marks? Yeah. The flakiness. And the flakiness. That, I mean, and the red. The redness and the flakiness together, you know, said something was happening. I've actually had some itches that I've never had before. On my eyelids. Have you ever had that? First I, time in my life. Eyelid itch? Hmm. Yeah. Mm-mm. Never had that. That's a symptom of other problems. Yeah. Hmm. Wow. <laughs> really? Itchy you want me to eyelids. diagnose it? I could diagnose wow. it. You yeah. could? Yeah, let's look Is at that it. like tasting colors, itchy eyelids? Mm-hmm. Hmm. I'm going to get you a gown to put on, and then we'll take a break. Then don't get, you have don't you have some more of that uh, that honey salve that you put on yeah, eyelids? Uh-huh. Oh yeah, I got a ton of it. Honey salve. Uh, Is it salve or salve? I think it's salve. I've heard it both ways. It's more of a regional. Uh, everyone loves. Salve. I think you're right though. I think salve. I think salve is right. Salve sounds better. Hmm. I mean, if you're going to rub something on your body, I'd rather put a salve than a salve. If you're keeping score. Hey, uh, also today we're going to be talking about the future of online dating. Uh, None of us need that. No. But uh, apparently, you know, there's a future to it. Well, it's becoming, what, automated? Yeah. So less personal? Yeah. Yeah. Which isn't everything. (laughs) Yeah, pretty much. Man. I mean, there's places now where they're doing everything in their power so you can order food and just not have to talk to a human, which... Okay. Oh, I like that. But, you know. No need to talk. There's that human touch that you're going to miss. We used to have a restaurant in Utah where you would sit at a booth and then phone it in. Oh, yeah. Oh, the training table? Yeah, those were great. I never went there. That's how we helped our children get over their social anxiety. I went there so I could actually use the phone. And you could, you know. To order my food as a kid. I could never get a call out. Well, I, I, I pick up the phone and like. They say hello, and you look up at the counter, and they're standing there talking to you from the counter. Yeah. I just handed the phone to my mom. I'm like, oh, I'm not going to talk to that person. You had a little anxiety. Yeah. That's why I like my kids to, no, make the call. I just wanted fries. I think think the takeaway now is if you go to an establishment that still has those phones, your kids, the only other place they're going to be able to use a phone like that is in prison. That's a great point. Across the glass, you can speak to them over the phone. Yeah. And they'll just automate that at some point, too. Yeah. Sometime, yeah, someday you won't ever have to talk to your family when they come visit you in prison. <laughs> There's a thought. There's a thought for you. Well, let's get to the rest of the headlines. Uh, find out what Kim Jong-un is up to, I'm sure. Yeah. Uh, with Terry South. What's up, So Terry? as we talked about Matt Lauer out at NBC, apparently a letter received from a, uh, an employee from NBC last night led to this firing. The New York Times apparently was working on a story about this, and they kind of got ahead of the story. Wow. So they could... Uh, be doing the right thing, I guess. Yeah, so pretty fast on that to get him fired that way. That's a big deal. After 20 years, they said no complaints against him. Well, I guess, too, the minute the Times is putting together a story, yeah, you got to move on that. After North Korea tested an intercontinental ballistic missile Tuesday, President Trump responded with a volley of attacks on Democrats, flanked at the White House press conference by two empty seats with name tags for Senator Chuck Schumer and Representative Nancy Pelosi, Trump first cryptically said he would take care of the test, then blasted Democratic leaders for not coming to a White House meeting on the government shutdown in light of the launch. They should be calling immediately and saying, we want you to want to see you, but probably they won't because 
Nothing to them is more important than raising taxes, Trump said. Schumer oh and Pelosi had canceled plans to attend the meeting after the president attacked them in a tweet earlier Tuesday morning saying Chuck and Nancy want illegal immigrants flooding into our country unchecked, are weak on crime, and want to substantially raise taxes. I don't see a deal. The state-run Korean Central News Agency said Kim Jong-un gave the order to test the new missile Tuesday. They described the new missile as significantly more powerful than previous long-range missiles used and said that all of the U.S. mainland would now be within range of a nuclear strike, which some researchers from the U.S. have confirmed that if they fired it on a different trajectory, it could have hit Washington, D.C. Wow. But you know what? It wouldn't matter. Well, Chuck and Nancy weren't even there. (laughs) Well, they weren't in the White House. By the way, doesn't that sound like a couple from, like, the 50s? Chuck and Nancy. Well, Chuck the, and Nancy got married yesterday. There's the film Sid and Nancy. That's different. Okay. The Senate Budget Committee voted on Tuesday along party lines to approve the GOP's tax overhaul bill a move to, uh, that sets up a vote on the Senate floor later this week. Key Republican holdouts, including Senator Rob Johnson and Bob Corker, said their concerns about certain provisions of the legislation were resolved after... President Trump met with the full Senate Republican caucus earlier Tuesday. If the Senate approves the legislation, it will be reconciled with the House passed version, which contains different provisions. So, you know, more meetings. Oh, good. Uh, President Trump, according to reports, still questioned the authenticity of former President Barack Obama's birth certificate behind Uh. closed doors. Uh, Said of the New York Times, in addition to throwing doubt on the legitimacy of the infamous Access Hollywood tape, Trump also as said in recent months, he reportedly revived the birther conspiracy theory that aided his rise to political prominence. The story cites an unnamed U.S. senator who listened as the president revived his doubts about Obama's birth certificate. He says he has a hard time letting go of this claim that Mr. Obama was not born in the United States. In September wow. of last year, then-candidate Trump held a press conference to declare that President Barack Obama was born in the United States, period, before Inventing a new story of Hillary Clinton had started the birther controversy during her 2008 primary run. See, what would happen if they found out that indeed he was not born in the United States? Oh, boy. Ah, that would be so bad. That president that served for eight years, what would you do? He also is still talking about how he actually won the popular vote. Yeah. Because of fake votes. He's got that one going, too. So those three million fake votes. Yeah. He's just he just won't let things go. No. Somebody but by the way, when Kim Jong un fired that missile, yes. he didn't tweet much. He kinda went real quiet. Yeah. Shh be very, very quiet. He might have been in meetings. <laughs> Maybe that was it. Yeah, yeah. There's a new there may be a new cell phone policy at the White House. They don't let people use cell phones in there anymore. Except for him. Well, he's got his phone. Okay. U.S. District Court judge in D.C. sided with the Trump administration, ruling that the White House Budget Director Mick Mulvaney will remain acting director of the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau. Outgoing CFPB uh, Chief Richard Corderay picked Leandra English to be the acting director, but Trump countered by nominating Mulvaney. English had signed a temporary restraining order to block Mulvaney from taking the post. The judge in the case was a recent Trump appointee. Wow. That, that was a big deal. People were... It was interesting to watch how two people showed up on Monday and sent out memos saying, don't listen to the other person except Mulvaney brought donuts. Oh, you got got to listen to the guy with the donuts. Always bring donuts. And the biggest story of the day. Bigger than NBC Fire's Matt Lauer? I think so. Okay. Avengers. Oh, boy. Infinity War. The trailer is out this morning. I've watched it three times. Really? It's amazing. Is that why you get up so early? (laughs) I I had to prepare. I had to clear my deck so uh, I could watch. Just so you know, I watched Thor. And? 
It was incredibly good. It was fun, huh? It was really fun. Jeff Goldblum? When we watched it late, Jeff Goldblum was great. It was, uh, we watched it and I stayed awake. Over the weekend, Vanity Fair did a whole article about the current status of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Okay, how'd that turn out? They have 22 movies they've made. Yeah? 22 of these movies. Yeah. I mean, how many were good? 20 of them. Really? So well, two of the Thor movies? Or are no, those the, the ones that... No, one Thor movie and the first Hulk movie, which they've included in all this, those are bad. Okay. The rest? Really good. I like them. The guy in charge of it all, Kevin Feige? 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 Do you know the name? Feige. It's, <laughs> yeah. it's Feige. He says there are 20 more movies already planned. Wow. They're ready to go. Look at you salivating. Just push forward of 20 more. Beyond. Now, now this is this is the part that I found interesting. Right now they have. They're in phase three. There's phase one, two. This is phase three. How many phases sense. total are there? I thought they only did phases when they were building retirement they homes. Might, yeah, and then, phase four is coming up. They don't. They're not going to tell you how many they're going forward with. Okay. But phase three currently, we've already had Doctor Strange, Guardians two, Spider Man Homecoming, and Thor Ragnarok. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Upcoming mm-hmm. Black Panther. Ooh. Avengers. Oh, I saw that. Avengers: Infinity War, Ant Man and Wasp, Captain Marvel. And the fourth Avengers movie. All those are still to come. After those movies, there's 20 more. Oh, wow. Yeah, By the great? way, I think Phase 6 does take place in a retirement home. Could be. All these Avengers oh, can you are imagine walking the around Avenger in the retirement center. Yeah. The key element, though, key actors, right? You have Robert Downey Jr., Chris Evans, who plays Captain America, mm-hmm. Chris Hemsworth, that plays Thor, Scarlett Johansson, who plays Black Widow. All of their contracts end after the next Avengers <gasps> movie. Oh, they're going to have to put out a lot of money. So either you resign them or you reset the deck. No, you have Chris to resign them. Chris Evans is done, though. He's not interested. But he came back, so who knows? The other thing is, in the movie, yeah. they say multiple heroes will die. <gasps> Probably the obscure ones that so nobody really knows or cares about. When they die, then they're done forever. Not in the comics. People come back. But... Uh. But this they, could happen. They just pass off the suit to somebody else. You can't pass in the your movie, suit off. In the movie, they do it. So when, well, yeah, because Cap- who wants to wear a suit? Cap- someone else is Captain America. Die, he goes away, and the shield goes to the Winter Soldier. He becomes the new Captain America. Oh wow! They get rid of him. And I'd then be in, all right in, if in they another got rid situation, of him. Captain America can't fulfill his duties, and the Falcon takes over. That's another one they could get rid of. And then Captain America flies around. So uh, Kevin Feige, the head of Marvel Marvel movies, says there will be two distinct periods, everything before Avengers 4 and everything after Avengers 4. P-A-4. What is it? Yeah. It's interesting because we used to gauge things uh, in terms of when Christ was born. Yeah, B.C. Yeah. But now it's when a certain Avengers movie is out. See what's happening to the world? It's going to be awesome. Also, they're saying the the talks between Disney and Fox for Disney to purchase Fox TV and movies is back on. The report states Disney is progressing speedily, or speedily, as they're saying, towards finalizing a deal to acquire Fox film and TV that would put the like the Simpsons, the Alien and Predator franchise, James Cameron's Avatar, all with Disney, along with the X Men. So you could reunite wow. the X Men and the Avengers, and just go crazy. Hmm. And I think those twenty movies could be completely changed their plan if they have the the, the mutants to come in and be part <laughs> of all that. 
I think this is a big deal, Matt. This is, is huge breaking news. Um, maybe have, they've already teamed up with James, James Cameron because he's working on the other three Avatar films right now. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Did you even remember that movie existed? No. Yeah, me neither. I mean, every once in a while, like, you know, when you're getting a new television and they're showing, they want to show really good color. <laughs> Wait, there's that movie again. Oh, say, so in the Avengers uh, trailer that came out, the yeah. Infinity War trailer. Oh, have, are we still talking yes, about that? At one point, you have Iron Man, Doctor Strange, and Bruce Banner all standing there. Yeah, yeah. Because things are happening. Oh, yeah. They have that look like, uh oh, uh-huh. stuff's going down. The Something's hair, happening. Peter Parker's on a bus, like a school bus going, uh-huh. and the hair on his arm stands up, <gasps> which is the first manifestation no, that is, yeah. of his spider sense. Uh-huh, yeah. That wasn't part of the movie of Spider-Man Homecoming. It's now a thing. I thought that was the, a sign that you're going through puberty. Yeah, you start getting hair yeah, where there was no hair before. His, that his spider cute. sense is tingling there. Iron Man Hulkbuster armor fighting with the forces of Wakanda. My who's word. where Black Panther's from. Black Panther at one point points at Steve Rogers and says, get this man a shield. Hmm. It's a good moment. You got to watch it. Hmm. Yeah. Thor meets the Guardians of the Galaxy. Anyway, he um, looks at him and goes, "Who are you guys?" Because he falls. If you remember at the end of the Thor movie, yeah. Thor Nerdalus! is in a spaceship. There's uh-huh. a whole thing that ties he, in there, and the evil Titan Thanos walks through hmm. a portal, begin his conquest of Earth. Did you hear that Eli Manning was benched? <clears throat> yeah, it was funny. He was benched. My wife clapped. <laughs> Speaking of superheroes, benched. My wife's not a fan of Eli Manning. Your wife clapped? He, when he was drafted, he was drafted to the San Diego Chargers. Then yeah. he cried and whined and complained, and they traded him to Off New York. Off to New York with you. Yeah, my wife's like, what a baby. And that's like the only thing she remembers of any NFL draft is Eli Manning cried okay. to get out of San Diego. Did you see how I got you out of the whole Avengers <laughs> it thing? It didn't work because when you see Thanos take step on it, you're like, wow, this is going to be a crazy movie. Yeah, sounds incredible. No. I don't believe your comment. Thanos. Thanos. LeBron he, was ejected, too. Yeah. <laughs> he just got, the first time in his entire career, he got ejected. Why, why can't you be excited about movies? Well, those aren't, those aren't, I, I'm excited. I saw two movies over this break, mm. and they were fine. They were great. You know what you need to do, Matt? And I'm watching Longmire. December 15th, Terry is not going to the employee party. No, I'm unavailable. He's not going to, he's not going to see Star Wars. I'll see it the, the next day. The yeah. uh, Last Jedi. I'm going to call you and tell you. Exactly. If, That's no. what you need to do. No. Yeah. Don't I'll, you think? I'll just, yes. I'll just block you two from any sort of communication. Well, we'll just fine. text you stuff. Well, that's what I mean. I'll just block your text. No, you won't block that because what about the show? Well, Luke. I can unblock it very easily. Terry, Got Luke it. lost his other hand. <gasps> yeah, Luke's my, my, handless. My wife's confused. Why is it a robotic hand now? Because before it looked like just like a normal hand, but the inside was robotic. What? How is this? Your wife asks you know, great questions. She did. I went, That's a very interesting question. We'll find out in the movie, I imagine. Yeah. Yeah. Or we won't. Yeah, so LeBron apparently got, <laughs> he was kind of mouthy, started chasing a ref around. Yep. Booted. He kind of feels you, you get this sense that he feels like I'm the best player in the world, therefore I have I some leverage, and they kicked him out. But it's it would you not be disappointed? He's gone this long without being ejected. I would have tried to go through my entire career without an ejection. What do you get with that? Do you get an award? Do you get Yeah, you get the moral authority award. <laughs> <laughs> That's what you want nowadays. He kind of felt like he could do whatever he wanted because no one had ever kicked him out before. Oh, well so did Eli. Yeah. Well gone. Eli, Eli plays bad. He plays bad football. Yeah. He keeps throwing the ball to the other team, or not to his team, just to, you know, pieces of carpet. Mm. 
So yeah, he can't play anymore. To me, those are more no. They're more realistic superheroes. Watch the trailer. Then Ant Man. It, it is life. And now we're gonna have Wasp. What is Wasp? Like a Wasp boy? It's, no, a, it's woman. a woman. Oh, it's a woman. Wasp woman. Yeah. Have you seen Ant Man? Yeah, I liked Ant Man. She's in the movie. She's in the movie. They show the suit at the end of the movie. Yeah, I don't remember that. Yeah, well, watch it again. It's a good movie. Yeah, that was like 20 Marvel movies ago. I know, so. that's the it's, thing. You can't keep them straight. It's only been like six or seven ago. Like, think of what kind of demented mind you've got to have to keep all of that straight. Man, it's amazing. It's like warped kind of brain I'll to, bring, I'll bring you to the make comic sense books. of all of I'll that. I'll bring you the comic books so you can you But can there prep. would be thousands of comic books, it, right? It's all contained in one. It's got like 300 pages in it, but... That's a big book. Yeah, it's nice. Just keep them in the bathroom <laughs> for some light reading. It's a good idea. Good idea. I have to put my phone down. Oh, well. Hey, up next, we're going to talk about the future of online dating. It's amazing how uh, things change. And really, in, in, in maybe a good way or not so good way, is it all about swiping now to find your future mate? Up next on The Matt Townsend Show. Welcome back, friends. You know, it was uh, love at first swipe or Facebook stalking that brought us together. Those are not the romantic stories you want shared at your wedding, right? Yeah, I remember when I stalked him on Facebook. By the way, I have a, my daughter married her husband because she stalked him on Facebook. Uh, however, online dating is on the rise with varying levels of success. Here to talk about it is Dr. Jen Golbeck. She's an associate professor in College of Information Studies at the University of Maryland and is here to, to enlighten us about the future of online dating. Dr. Golbeck, thank you so much for being with us. My pleasure. What a fun uh, job you've got, huh? You get to no, go. I'm not kidding. I get to do Facebook and Twitter like for work. <laughs> well, and and like I mean, amazing stuff. Uh, that I don't I mean I don't know that I like the idea, but the Tinder swiping left, swipe right. I mean, dating sure has changed from the old days when you know you'd have the lineup and then go down and get a malt together. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's changed even, you know, you look in the last 10 years. So uh, I've been married for a few years now. I met my husband in like probably the oldest school way. Like we had a friend who set us up. There you go. Um, but, you know, I was single for a very long time before that and uh, tried online dating and had, I think, the standard mixed results. I had, you know, some nice relationships with some good guys from it and some just terrible dates that make for good stories with friends. <laughs> yeah. um, but, you know, the online dating that I was doing in, you know, 2007 is so different from the online dating that there is now. Everything has kind of shifted to mobile. Um, and the technology behind it that tries to match you up with people has become so much more sophisticated. Do we, I guess, first off, do we trust this technology? We hear so much about algorithms and, um, you know, a lot of people are, are selling their wares like, hey, we're the one. We have a 500-point test that you take it and we'll pick your perfect mate. Is, has that technology been verified? Is it valid? Well, it's interesting, like, what you want to count as valid. So, uh, you know, under, under the hood, right, the technology that's driving these dating algorithms that match you up with people – pretty much mathematically is the same as what, say, Netflix uses to recommend you movies or mm. Amazon uses to recommend products. And if we think about those algorithms, like most of the times they get it right, but 
it's kind of boring. Like, we don't need the algorithm to do that, right? Yeah. So if you buy the latest Stephen King book and it recommends 10 more Stephen King books, it's accurate. <laughs> but you could have figured that out on your own. Yes. Right? Yeah. So, if, um, yeah, if you get recommended five more five foot ten blondes, exactly. then, yeah, it's not really deep. And that's how we tend to judge accuracy of the algorithms is, are they giving you things that you're interested in? Well, sure, but like, is that the thing that's going to find you the long-term partner? Hmm. Probably not, right? Because the long-term partner doesn't tend to be the 12th blonde that you <laughs> right. dated who's the same, right? It's someone who's a little bit different than what you thought mm. you wanted, maybe violates your rules for the perfect match a little bit, yeah. but is compatible in this kind of special way. And that's not something we're necessarily great at at this point. Well, yeah. How do you quantify chemistry? Yeah, it's really hard. And, you know, online dating sites do have some, offer some advantage. And something that I know I liked when I was using them is that you get to kind of talk to the person before you go on a date with them, right? Mm. You get to exchange some emails, some texts, see if there is any chemistry there or if it's a real dud and you're like, we can't even have text conversations. I'm not going to waste my time going on a date. Um, But this is the thing that all those tests try to capture, right? So some sites have these big 500-question surveys. Other sites you look at, like OkCupid, which uh, tries a lot of creative stuff. They ask questions like, if someone said, let's just throw everything away and go live on a boat, would you think that's a good idea or oh, a there bad you go. idea? Yeah. yeah, and that, you know, that tries to capture a little bit more of you know, your attitude about life. Does it work better? Who knows, right? But there's lots of ways we're trying to get to that idea. Is that, that is, uh, that's fascinating, too, because I, I guess in the end, this may not even be termed right. Like online dating may not be the right word. It's really kind of more online sorting. Because eventually we have to actually date. Yeah, I think that's exactly right. That's exactly right. And that's what these sites are good for, you know, in my opinion, both as a person who researches this and someone who's used them, is that it helps you find other people who are interested in going on dates and figure out which ones you might want to go out with. Uh, But after that, it really shifts to entirely traditional dating, right? You're going to go out. You're going to see how things go. The second date doesn't happen on the dating site. You know, that's something that you work out in person. Um, And, yeah, we need help sorting because there's a ton of people on there. There's a ton of creepy people on there. There's lying people. Um, So just being able to get a little guidance, like, here's the ones you might be interested in, is helpful. What do you see is the future then? So we've – I mean, my generation, I'm 47 – what am I, 48? And my generation, like, we're terrified by the idea of online dating because that's – that's just stalkers, right? That's just where all the stalkers <laughs> go. And then, but then it seems like the younger generation is a little bit more uh, accepting of it in a way, um, or other generations are really kind of as a sorting meth- mechanism. Um, you know, people buy cars online, so it's it's more natural. But where does this go in the next generation? What does the future of this look like? Yeah, it's a good question, and I think. So I can tell you, I will tell you where the technology is going, and then we're going to have to figure out as a society if we like that or not, if it's helpful. Um, The technology that we're, what we're getting really good at, and I do this work in my lab, there's lots of other people working on this, is using your data, whether it's from online dating or social media, to find out all kinds of things about you that you haven't explicitly said. So as an example, there's algorithms out there that can look at the things you like on Facebook, right, sports teams and books, whatever, um, and determine, for example, if you're a drinker or a smoker, if you like to use recreational drugs, if your parents divorced, 
even if you have not said or liked anything related to that, uh, we're getting very good at finding out these really intimate personal details from what seems like very anemic casual data. Now, that's something that you could then feed into a dating profile. Mm. So we look at smoking, for example. Um, research has shown that compatibility on smoking is a really strong indicator of whether a relationship's going to work out, which yeah. is kind of interesting. Um, so if I may, I'm, not, I'm a non-smoker. Um, I may be going online looking for someone to date. I say I want a non-smoker. Guys know that women want non-smokers, and they may put that they're a non-smoker even if they're not. Uh, the technology could catch that. Right? It could say to me, hey, Jen, this guy says he's a non-smoker, but we think he actually is a smoker. Uh, it could point me to people that, just like on Netflix, it thinks I'm more attracted to, even if it's outside the scope of what I say I want. Oh, wow. Um, That's you know, scary, is though. Is that good or bad? It yeah. Is, I mean, it's super scary, right? It's the algorithms are understanding secrets and personal things we don't want to share. Um, but do we want them to do that if we're dating? Like, maybe keeping a little bit of mystery and stepping a little outside our comfort zone is a good thing. Wow, because you could also say, oh, um, I, I, you might know data you didn't know you wanted to know. <laughs> like, uh, have, do you look at pornography? Do you, I mean, other weird searches. Why are you, are you a hypochondriac? Why are you always on WebMD searching right. for <laughs> diagnoses? I mean, there's no end to the data they can collect. No, and it's hard because if you think about it, right, if any of us sit down, whether we're single or in a relationship, and say, you know, let's talk about what your ideal partner would be, right? So, yeah. so you're single, I'm going to make a list, right? I kind of had a, a list. I didn't quite write it down, right? But I was like, all right, like these are the things that really matter. These are the things that, you know, I could go either way on. Uh, and my husband ended up you know, breaking one of the rules that I said mm. was really important. Um, and there's things where you go, you may say, for example, there's no way I would date a smoker. There's no way I would date, say, a hypochondriac, right, or yeah. someone who has those sorts of anxiety issues. Um, and then you meet the person and you get to know them as a whole person. And the fact that they have some anxiety issues doesn't really matter, like, because you love the rest of them yeah. and you can deal with the other parts. And that's a thing that we kind of want to worry about as these algorithms start directing us is they may say, all right, well, you keep skipping over people who have anxiety problems. So we're going to direct you away from people who have anxiety problems, basically match you to more people like the ones you've looked at. And that may take you away from someone that you actually could be really interested in because you've picked a sort of surface trait, which is all you can do on a dating site. Um, and and that kind of hides the rest of the person. Oh yeah, that's actually um, it's interesting too because it, it, you would almost assume you know what you like, right? And yeah. maybe maybe you really don't know what you like, but or just even our language or the way we search is oh yeah okay I want I want them to be tall and I want I mean our criteria is so narrow, but when you start involving all of this other information that we can gather, for example, Jen, let me let me bring up some. Uh, I hear that recently you just finished the St. Sebastian 50-mile ultramarathon. Oh. <laughs> I sure did. Good job on that. And so Thank now you. I know because of a Twitter feed that you're a marathon, an ultramarathoner. But that now could be incorporated into a profile and search for you. Yeah, and people might go, I don't want to date some like, crazy woman who's like running all the time. <laughs> she must uh, run all day long. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I do. That's true. Uh, but, you know, there's a lot more to me than that. Right. And, uh, yeah. So, look, I mean, looking this stuff up, right, 
going in, Googling someone, looking at their social media feeds, I think everyone should do that, right? right? We find out important things about people. So if you go to someone's uh, Facebook feed and they're posting a bunch of racist garbage, Done. great, don't yeah. date them, right? Like, right? This is important information that you may not get on their profile. But dating is so complicated. Actually, anything with our preferences is so complicated. You're absolutely right. Like, we're not all that great at articulating what our preferences are, and uh, and the algorithms can can guide us to a really homogeneous set of information, whether it's people to date, whether it's news to read, movies to watch, uh, that takes us out of the kind of richer world that we might want to try experiencing. Mm, so true, and um, I, I guess when if that's the future, if the future is so data oriented. Um, will dating change? I mean, overall, is it? Are we going? I mean, I could see a point where we have also too much data. We have too much information about people that we might just opt not to date. Yeah, <laughs> I like, hope we don't end up not dating. But <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think it could potentially eventually drive people away from these kinds of platforms to other ways of finding partners if they get too algorithmically focused. Um, so let me pick up on something you just mentioned. Like you had said, uh, you know, so these are going to drive us based on the people that we're looking at, um, which is true. That's how they work. But the people that have profiles that you're attracted to may not represent the kind of people you're actually attracted to. Right, right? This is like exactly. like the Coke-Pepsi taste test. You take one sip of Pepsi and that wins. You have to drink a whole can like the Coke tends right. to win more, right? Uh, so someone who you know, puts together a beautiful online profile, which may be the kind of thing that you are attracted to looking at, may not be the person that you want to go on a second date with. And that's a hard thing, and these websites know that. They have a hard time knowing when do you go on the second date, like what actually leads you into a relationship that's good. And do we want to share all that information yeah. with the dating site? Maybe not, but it's something that humans are pretty good at, right? Like if we're setting our friends up, we're really careful about, hopefully, really careful about who we want to put them together with. Right what's going to work out. We know the little nuances, you know, oh, you know, this friend, like she gets super anxious about going to, you know, seafood places, but Bob always wants to go to seafood <laughs> places. Maybe it's not going to work. Like all those little things we yeah. can figure out. It's really hard for an algorithm to do that. So, you know, I'm very pro dating sites. I think they help people Me find too. people to go on dates with. I think that's great. Um, but if you're looking for a relationship, you just have to understand that, there's other things that you might want to be looking for. And, you know, potentially we'll see other services that have a little more of a human touch that help us kind of sort that out going forward. In any of your research, have you found uh, anybody um, doing kind of the Amazon review? I mean, it seems like one thing that might be fascinating is if you do go on dates with people that you can leave reviews, almost like a Yelp yeah. review. And um, because... Like I know on Amazon, if I go read, if they have 3,000 reviews of a product and I can read a lot of them, I tend to actually feel safer about what I'm doing, what I'm purchasing. Um, but what – so A, have you, have you ever seen sites that actually have reviews of people that have dated these people? Or B, and, and is that really just turning everything, everyone into a commodity? We're just – we're basically commoditizing everything. Yeah, I mean, we certainly kind of are on those sites. So th this is something that has off and on appeared in different sites. They've tried it out. And a few problems tend to surface with it. Um, one is that, especially when you're looking at men 
to women reviews, you tend to get a lot of really nasty stuff coming up in there. Uh, Not because all men are doing this, but there's a handful of men who say, oh, you know, she didn't do whatever I wanted. She didn't like this thing. Here's a bunch of nasty yeah. stuff about her. Oh yeah, and then um, it, then it's it's weighted. I mean, it's got to be weighted as a review. It's just that's a one star instead right, of exactly. a five star. And, yeah, and that kind of harassment, especially in the men to women space, um, is a real problem on a lot of mm. these sites. Like we know that happens, and so the reviews, you know, when that was an option, were kind of coming out. In fact, some sites knew that and tried just allowing women to leave reviews of men, uh-huh. which yeah. is kind of interesting. Yeah. So, so that, that is an issue that comes up in here. Um, some of these sites have, so you don't really see reviews on most kind of major dating sites for this reason. Right. Uh, but what a lot of them have tried to do is give a mechanism for people to report people who we might not want on the platform. So it could be I go on a date, the guy's really pushy, yeah. aggressive, I felt unsafe. I can report that to the platform so they're not allowing kind of sexual predators yeah, to, to prey, right? We want that. Um, we've also seen more recently that people are able to report um, harassers, but also kind of neo-Nazis, mm. kind of violent, racist people, because the platforms don't want to be supporting that kind of audience either, right? You don't want to become the dating site of white supremacists. <laughs> and, uh, and they've been kicking people off the platforms, if you know, not just you know, for small reasons, but if it looks like you're a neo-Nazi, they're kicking you off. Um, So there are these ways that people can give feedback and the platform can control who's there. Um, But yeah, the review thing hasn't worked out, and I'm kind of glad about it. I mean, it seems like that would just, that could get ugly. And yeah, that's why this is such a personal thing. Again, we're speaking with Dr. Jen Goldbeck. She's an associate professor in the College of Information Studies at the University of Maryland. And we're discussing um, uh, some work she's doing on the future of online dating and some of the problems that, that we may be running into when it comes to, and actually opportunities. It really is I'm very, like you, pro-online dating, haven't ever done it, but a lot of my clients I work with have. And, I mean, I, my rule is, uh, you know, it's a big country. We have a big world, and um, you still got to date this person. And if you're going to find them online, I think really you need to even date them longer and, and just to get more information, to get more data about it. What, what else um, – what other advantages do you see – about online dating, what disadvantages uh, should people be as leery of it as as they might be? Yeah, I mean, so speaking first from personal experience, you know, like I said, I had, you know, some very good dates that didn't go places. I had some that led to relationships that lasted a few months. I had some really terrible ones. Uh, that pretty much echoes my offline dating <laughs> experience too, right? Right. Um, had some really bad dates, had, you know, some good relationships come out of it. So, you know, I think in that sense, it's it's leading you to a different pool of people than you might find if you're going, you know, through your social circle, through activities that you do. Um, but the outcomes tend to be similar, right? Because you go on a first date, and oftentimes those are very casual. I mean, I did a lot of coffee dates, right? Like, let's get coffee yeah, in the yeah. afternoon from online dating. Um, and that kind of lets you see, okay, person's not crazy. <laughs> not, <laughs> not too, or they are, right? And, yeah. and you get to make a decision about, you know, do you get to do something more serious? I totally agree with the point that you raised that um, online dating should give you an opportunity to go on more dates and talk more because you don't have the kind of shared background or experience that you do with people you, you know, tend to say meet because they played on your volleyball team right. and then you go on a date. Um, 
so, yeah, I mean, I think it's a great opportunity to find a bigger space of people, um, actually to broaden our interests, right? If you meet someone online, it means you haven't met them through your social circle. So they may take you to museums that you wouldn't have gone to otherwise. They may expose you to the sports team that, they're, that you're interested in. And so it's a great way to kind of broaden the social world that you're interacting in. So I think it's, it's a great thing. And look, even if you're not interested in you know, getting married and settling down and having a serious relationship, you just want to go out on some dates, it's a great way to meet people, right? Mm. And, um, you know, I had some bad dates, but I had very few super creepy experiences dating online. Um, it, was, it kind of echoed my offline experience in that way, too. And is um, it more how we I mean, work today? Like, it seems like we are pretty attuned online, I mean, to what we see. We understand what's kind of normative and, and healthier in a way just because we interact online so much. Maybe it is more in our wheelhouse to, to find people this way. Yeah, I mean, you look at, like, you know, what's the alternative, right? So I've gone through, you know, I have my social circles. There's nobody there to date. Right. right. Everybody's married or, you know, I'm not interested. If you can't, um, if you don't go bar hopping every night, if you've got a job and a life and you're trying to run an ultra marathon for crying out loud. <laughs> that's it, right? I mean, you're busy. You, like you have your life. And if there's no one in your life that you're really interested in dating, what are you going to do? Like, you can go bar hopping, you can try going to singles events, but, like, is that any different than, like, going online and, you know, seeing a narrative that someone has written, seeing some photos, looking at the stuff they like? Um, I don't think so. No. I mean, I think the online experience allows you to really kind of look around and uh, and find people that you might be interested in, who you know are also available and interested in dating. Yeah. Um, so it's a great opportunity in that way, but, you know, as with everything online, Plenty of people lie. I mean, I think most people lie in online dating sites, but in the expected ways. Uh, men say they make more money than they do. Women say they're thinner and younger than they are. Like, <laughs> these are the standard lies that we see. And like, um, we, I guess we, we don't assume anyone will ever catch on. I, it's weird, right? Like, if you post a 10-year-old picture of yourself, <laughs> eventually you're going to meet the person and they're going to know, right? Like, woo, uh, you've aged. Yeah, who knows, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh, that was a great picture. What happened? <laughs> what, um, what advice would you give us as we wrap up, um, you know, to make it safer for all of us um, and, and really more accurate? If somebody wants to seriously go give it a really strong attempt – of online dating, what are two or three things that you'd recommend we do to keep it safe and, and really have the best shot? Yeah, so I would say, you know, number safety absolutely should be your number one thing. Um, it's not all that dangerous, but you still want to check people out. So I would say, one, when you're picking a site, look at what kind of filtering they do for this kind of thing. Like, bad incidents happen, and so if I report that I was assaulted or felt dangerous on a date with someone on a site, what do they do? They're going to say that somewhere buried in the section of the site. So look for that. See if they're going to take people off who are dangerous. Um, Number two is, as you're browsing through people, if you decide you want to go out with someone or you're interested in them, have long conversations with them over email or text before you go meet them in person. Like figure out kind of what person they are, you're going to get some personal information where you can go look them up on social media, right? You don't have to stalk them, uh, but there's nothing wrong with looking at their Facebook page or their Twitter page to kind of see what person they are. Um, 
that's going to give you good information before you go on that first date. And then, yeah, if you're interested in doing it, I would say learn from your experiences, right? So there's, there are people on these sites all the time who flake out. There are people on the sites who are way too into it um, <laughs> and start, you know, they call you the girlfriend on the first date. And, uh, you know, figure out those kinds of things. There's a, the world is a rich tapestry as are the people on these sites. So, you know, figure out the things that are kind of warning signs for you. And, uh, you know, not that the person's necessarily bad, but they're not someone you want to date. And you're going to start getting a taste of the kind of profile that seems like a person that's going to lead you to a good date. And, you know, does that lead you to a future partner? Who knows? Um, but at least you have a good time for a few hours. Yeah, no, exactly. Great stuff. Jen Goldbeck, thank you for uh, your time. Again, Jen is an associate professor in the College of Information Studies at the University of Maryland and really is a world leader in social media research and science communication. Honored to have her on board. And, boy, dating uh, online, its it actually seems like it's going to uh, – include even more data. So be careful of the data you're putting out there. It may actually uh, scare people away. That would be sad. We'll continue the journey up next, uh, doing what we can to help you uh, live longer, love stronger, lead healthier lives. This is The Matt Townsend Show. Shines in a different way. I'm ready to go in, coach. Just give me a chance. Because life doesn't come with a handbook, you need a coach. Here's Dr. Matt and his coaching corner. Play ball. Play ball, friends. You got to play ball. Nothing uh, harder than the online dating world, people tell me. But you know what? Uh, I think you ought to try the offline dating world. That's just as hard, it seems like. With the clients I work with, um, one of the things you might want to do, and this sounds totally weird, but uh, it actually works, is look at your online dating kind of as a marketer would. A marketer um, tries to cast the biggest net that they can. When I work with uh, – and I do a lot of singles workshops and single classes for singles. I always have uh, you know, a bunch of people in the group that are telling me their, their uh, qualification criteria or their, their disqualification criteria. And they make a really big list of what they don't want. And then by doing that and then by typing all of that information into your search engine um, or your, uh, the site you're working on, you, you actually then narrow all of your possibilities. So, for example, someone will say, I only want to marry – I only want to date somebody in Utah. Oh, okay. Well, okay. But I want them to be like LDS. I want them to, to be a certain faith. Okay. But only in Utah. Well, yeah, why? Well, because I only want to date Utah. I mean, I don't want to date somebody in another state because I don't want to. Well, the funny thing is you don't even have a date with someone in another state. So why are we excluding them right now? Wouldn't it, wouldn't it be great? I mean, when was the last time you dated somebody from another state? Well, I never have. Well, why are we excluding them? Why don't we just allow LDS people from any state? Oh, okay. By the way, when you do that, you'll still have probably an 80% chance of finding your person in your area. Because there's a lot of people under LDS in our state. Or what about ages? Well, I don't want to date somebody older or younger. Oh, so you want somebody exactly your age. Yeah, exactly. So see how we narrow our choices. And, and so open up your mind a little bit to what is out there and what you'd be okay with. Five years older, five years younger. You just now have a 10-year span of people you could date. Well, I really don't want to date someone younger than me. How many dates have you gone on in the last month? Well, none. Okay. Do you want to date or don't you? Watch out for your exclusion criteria. Try not to be uh, to exclude everybody at first. Just cast a broad net, a big, wide, broad net. Get people into the net 
Then start talking to them, dating, and you might be amazed at what you find. You might actually find love. Careful. It's just... It's just finding online. It's not even online dating. It's just online finding. A little tip for you from the Coach Map. Up next, we'll continue the journey. This is the Matt Townsend Show, helping you be the good in the world. Welcome back, friends. You know, quick little update on the San Francisco uh, story. It was a cul-de-sac. It was there's a little a, cul-de-sac. There's a little cul-de-sac, exclusive, all the houses, people just super wealthy. They didn't pay taxes, property taxes, on their private yeah. street for two decades. Some guy was able some to look investor. through some records from the city and went, huh. So he bought it for like 90000 or whatever You pay it was. ninety grand, you own a street. He owns this street, and he kind of looked at everyone that lived on the street and said, are you going to pay me for parking, or what are we doing here? And they... Uh, yeah, so they what fought back. Happened? So the Board of Supervisors in San Francisco uh, split 7-4 on the move They in favor of the residents. They, so the street goes back. They're saying they didn't receive enough notice before their sidewalks, street, and common areas were sold at auction in 2015. Oh, boy. They said it was not good policy to allow an out-of-town land speculator to swoop in on law-abiding property owners who simply did not know they owed tax on their street. So you got to... What does he just now own a street without any way to generate income, or can he no, sell they, it back to they him? They took it back, oh, so they, they refunded. The they probably didn't happen. gave him the money back and okay. just let ah. the people pay their property tax. Nice try. Make sure you pay your property tax, or you may lose your street. A little advice from the Matt Townsend Show. We'll continue the journey next hour. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Your guide on the side. Follow Dr. Matt on Twitter at Dr. Matt Show. Call the show at 1-855-CHAT-BYU. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Dr. Matt Townsend. Now on BYU Radio. BYU Radio. Good morning, friends. Welcome to the program. Dr. Matt here, your life coach, your guide on the side. Along with Terry and Jeff, the gang is back together. Man, did we miss each other. Right? Hello? Is this on? Huh. Okay. That's interesting. Well, it's good to be back to see your smiley faces. We miss Jeff. Jeff's been gone. Jeff and I haven't seen each other for two weeks. Did you see our embrace when I walked in? No. It was warm. Was it? Uh I I was going to come in with my beard, too. You told me to come in with my beard after I've had it growing for two weeks. I wanted to see that. But then you weren't here for the first two days, so I figured I probably (sighs) couldn't float under the radar anymore. I was... uh, or fly under the radar. Yeah, don't float. Yeah, you gotta fly fast. I I was going to take a a break. I was going to stay and write, and I didn't do that. In fact, I came home and just did nothing but work. You were home Monday and Tuesday. I was. I well, I was working. I have a lot of work. My life is in turmoil. He's fixing stuff. I'm fixing stuff. No. Wrong. And but I was going to write because I can't write at home, mm. and that's I proved that point again. Got no writing done, but got a lot of work done. Mm. You're wrong. By the way, did a lot of hiking. Okay. Um, Seventeen thousand steps I took on Thanksgiving Day. Wow! After the right after dinner, right? No, right before dinner. Oh. 17,000 steps. Actually, it's a bold strategy. It's a really bold strategy. And it, it's actually even, it sounds harder than it actually was because some of those steps were me just hopping with one leg, dragging another leg because mm. I had walked so far. I got Eight miles. 
3.9 thousand steps. So 3,000 steps. On Thanksgiving? Yeah. You lazy bum. I didn't do anything. Let me see what I've got. I drove like 65 miles, but... Then we did about 10,000 the next day and about ten to 12,000 the next day. Oh, wow. I mean, yeah. I always do about 10,000 when I do my walking. Well, I don't carry this when I work out, and I worked out every day that whole week. Yeah, so. you need to carry it. Yeah. You need a watch like mine. A magical watch that makes you feel like you're fit even when you're not. Nice. It's incredible. You November can... 23rd. Ooh, what'd you say? 3.9 thousand? 3.9 thousand. I got 3.4 thousand. See, 3.4 thousand. But oh, I may nice. not have had my – actually, that's not true. I did have my phone with me all day because I was shopping for Black Friday deals all day. <laughs> you, well, shopping, you would have taken more steps than that. Well, mm. on his phone. On my phone. He was shopping on his phone. Oh, you're on your phone. So maybe on there's his, the calorie the of count, moving your thumb. Yeah, just, on yeah. your couch. Finger maybe taps. Just, yeah. just say on my couch, on my phone. No, he was shopping on his phone. That really is honestly a nice way to shop. Is it? Yeah. Hmm. Oh, it's, Can you imagine walking into a Black Friday? Who does that? Mm. Well, my wife did, actually, but that's crazy. The downside we talked about yesterday on the show is how do you do that without leaving some sort of a paper trail? You don't. Yeah. So you're probably – I mean, they're going to be haunted and they are probably going to steal your credit somewhere. Well, everybody knows what they're getting before Christmas. Yeah. Like this morning, my wife orders something. The email notification comes to me because it's my account. She I just knows. I just clear the email so I don't see what it is yep. and move on. My wife's. Well, let's go. Let's go find it. Why? <laughs> I, I think it'd be fun. I don't want to know. Just tell me. No, it's no probably like mixed in with my kid's toys that he's getting too. Oh boy, which my are wife, pretty cool, by the way. My wife forwarded me an them. ad saying, "I noticed you were looking at robotic vacuum cleaners. Here hmm. are some sales that are going on." Oh, nice. <laughs> I guess there's a robotic vacuum cleaner coming. That is. That's sad. No more element of surprise. Hmm. It's gone. You know what you do, though? Now, when that little robotic vacuum comes, decorate it. Like, really? Do it up for her. I thought I saw something where there's, a, like, you can have separate profiles in your account. Oh, really? So that that problem is alleviated, but I haven't figured out how to make it work. Yeah. Well, you Which figure would be that awesome. Out. I'll look at it. It'll be my assignment. I'm learning a lot about technology. Hmm. You know, it, we live in an amazing world in an amazing time. Wow. That's, that's profound. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, I, yeah. Yeah. It's amazing. I just found out you could archive your orders so that you can't – so somebody else can't see what you've ordered. Oh, wow. Yeah. No, that's – yeah. Or just tell someone stop snooping. That's for the cheating yeah. husband. <laughs> Wait. Why is it a husband? What? I don't know. Wow. It could be a cheating anybody. That was there sexist. That yeah, was don't sexist. don't limit the cheating to just one group of people. Yeah, we got a lot to talk about today. Uh, we will be replaying a great interview with Emma Seppala, who is one of the leading happiness experts in the world. She's happy to tell you. Well, and then and, and like acclaimed, she's an acclaimed researcher. Right. I think Stanford. Yeah. Hmm. Amazing. I think she. We talked to somebody. I thought it was her that lived on the island of Gibraltar. Really? Was it her? I have to look it up. I don't know if you know this, but I'm Greek and or Italian. 7% of me. Okay. I'm still trying to figure out which part of me that is. Alternative facts. Yeah. I think that's more accurate right there. 7%. <laughs> Greek slash Italian. Hey, and Elizabeth Warren's a Native American, too. Wait. No, she's not. No, she's not. Is that but... why you you always come in smelling smelling like uh, euros? Yeah. 
Euro is like the dollar? No. European dollar? No. no. Euro like the gyro. Like Euros, yeah. at, Euros yeah. as in gyros. By the by the, the Greek way. sandwich. A gyro is my favorite sandwich. Isn't it like a Greek taco? Is that what a euro is? Basically. Yeah, but not really. But yeah. Okay. Lamb. Okay. That's why. That's good stuff. Ever since I was a kid and watched Lamb Chop, hmm. loved it. Okay. W- would you quit warming them up in the microwave, please? Yeah, the smell. Because it's pretty overwhelming. A little crazy. Well, tomorrow it's fish day, so I'll be bringing fish tomorrow. Ooh. Lots to cover. Um, we'll be talking about happiness. Also, we've got a lot of empty news to cover as well. Crazy stuff. Bank robbers still, they just, they don't think it through still. We'll have to talk about that. Best lead plans. If you're going to rob a bank, you may not want to rob the one you work in. Just in a little piece of advice. That is a good, ad- I never really thought of that one. Yeah. I mean, yeah. you think it'd be easier because you know everything about the place. But that may tip the hand. So we'll get to that fun, but first to Terry South with the headlines. What's going on, Terry? President Trump, of course, has chimed in Wednesday morning. This morning after news broke that Matt Lauer has been fired from NBC News for alleged inappropriate sexual behavior in the workplace. Trump, what did he say? Trump, who was also accused of sexual misconduct, has repeatedly spread false information, asked on Twitter, when will top executives at NBC and Comcast be fired for putting out so much fake news? He goes, check out Andy Lack's pass. That's one of the uh, higher-ups at NBC. Wow. Yeah, that's their news chief there. Earlier, Trump had retweeted disturbing videos shared by far-right British Islamophobe of what appeared to be an ISIS killing and also responded to CNN's announcement that it would be boycotting the White House Christmas party by suggesting that the White House should, in turn, boycott CNN. Wow. Hmm. He goes, dealing with them is a total waste of time. So that's been the president's morning. As he has been leaving the country. Now, let me make sure. Um, we, we're still under possible nuclear attack threat. Well, that happened yesterday. From, uh, He's going to deal with North that, North Korea. And now Hawaii's testing sirens, air raid sirens, oh. for the first time since the Cold War. Yeah. And he's picking a fight with CNN and NBC. Yeah. Oh, okay. That's what's going on. I was just checking. Good. You've, you've summed up the national political okay. landscape at the yeah. moment. Key Senate Budget Committee passed the Republican tax bill 12 to 11 on Tuesday <laughs> as protesters shouted, uh, kill the bill, and were arrested and escorted out of the building. The senators divided along party lines with Senator Bob Corker and Ron Johnson flipping to yes just before the vote. Uh... Previously, Johnson announced his opposition to the bill. Corker was among those a handful of handouts whose vote was unclear. With a slim 52 to 48 Senate majority, Republicans can only afford two defections and still pass the legislation. The nonpartisan Congressional Budget Office expects the tax bill to increase the nation's deficit by more than $1.4 trillion over wow. the next decade. A full Senate vote could come as soon as Thursday. But like... Was it Flake or Corker? I think it was Corker that said he wouldn't pass the bill if it was going to raise the deficit That's at what all. That's he said. And Flake uh, had other issues with it. Flake, mm-hmm. those are the two that President Trump's been beating up publicly. Right. There's, so, there's so, a Montana senator who said he feels that it does more for uh, Wall rich, Street than yeah. Main Street. And, Plus, you know, uh, like Susan Collins of Maine. She might be closer to yes than you think. McCase, McCain, 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 Mikowski. Yeah, yeah. She's in there. McCain's kind of like McCain's all about this whole process thing. Yeah, there's regular Why process. Why are we going we need so committees. fast? Here. We need things. The same concerns he had with the health bill are apparent here in the tax bill. And his speech in, yeah. on remember his speech that everyone's like, wow, he really unified. He's a leader. Look at this. Everything he expressed in that is being kind of in conflict with this tax bill. If he votes yes, what does that mean? Does all, everything he did just get wiped away because he 
Is went it, against his own thing. Wasn't there a precedence back with, I think it was uh, Bill Clinton passed a tax cut, and mm-hmm. it was, but it was more bipartisan. Everybody kind of worked on it, so it, it meant the tax cut would stay a long time. Right. And business bought into it more. I mean, it's... Seems like we're rushing this. Well, this will get changed as soon as somebody else is in charge, right? Yeah. So that's kind of what we're doing now is we're just... It's fun. It's just like every time you get your executive in, they can just do all these new executive orders. Yeah, just flip it all and wait till the next guy comes in to change all that. And that's Why is it a guy? It's well, a guy. it could be a woman. I don't know. We've had some problems Maybe that way before. You're, you're Maybe both we're not sexist ready. today. Mm-hmm. A reported sonic attack in the American embassy in Uzbekistan is uh, raising suspicion that Russia may be behind the sonic attacks that targeted diplomats in Cuba. <gasps> this is according to CBS News. A USAID officer in uh, Uzbekistan reported that he and his wife are the victims of at least one sonic attack in September. The two left the embassy after reporting experience, experiencing injuries similar to those in the uh, for the Democrat, uh, diplomats in Cuba, several of which have been diagnosed with hearing loss, brain damage, and other cognitive issues. Holy cow. The and state- you didn't even know what's going on. No. All of a sudden, you're just sick. The State Department, however, said none of the U.S. staff uh, suffered health issues like those experienced in Cuba. Additionally, the State Department spokeswoman wow. told the media, we can confirm that there was no incident and no personnel at the U.S. Embassy in Uzbekistan have been diagnosed with these conditions that have been observed in Cuba. So this one uh, couple is saying they've this happened, this is the, the, the uh, diagnosis I guess they got, but uh, the embassy is saying this is isolated, not exactly the same situation that happened in Cuba. So we'll see. But, it could have been Russia. But no matter what, I guess we now know that these tools are being used. Possibly. Wow. We'll see what happens. Uh, 61-year-old, finally, the uh, I told you about this one last week, Matt, the man with the rocket. Oh, Check yeah. out if the rocket man. Yeah. 61-year-old stuntman on amateur flat earth society researcher Mad Mike Hughes. Mad Mike Hughes! Who planned to launch himself some 1,800 feet up, 500 miles per hour in an untested homemade steam-powered rocket over the Mojave Desert. Uh, yeah. He was, How'd he, that go? He wanted to do this on Saturday. Remember, so we warned him not to. He said he was going to launch himself into the atmosphere flat, because if the Earth's flat, right, there's right, no right. such thing as atmosphere an atmosphere. Flat. Was so this atmosphere a flat. threat? Was he threatening us? No, with, he, he was doing it. He was going to do it. I'll do it. I swear. It's research. I, yeah. We're like, be- and a lot of people are like, go, do it. Light that. Light that fuse. Hughes told the Washington Post, uh, Big Daddy government has thrown a few obstacles in his way. <laughs> the Bureau of Land Management confirmed that it has no record of giving Hughes verbal permission to hold the rocket launch on public lands, as he had previously claimed, meaning that the rocketeer has decided to delay the launch and move the location three miles down the road. Oh, come on. He says, I don't see the launch happening until about Tuesday, which was yesterday and it didn't happen. So it takes three days to set it up, you know. It's not easy because it's not supposed to be easy. It's a rocket. How are we ever going to get to the bottom of this Yeah. if the government keeps covering it up? Now, this is interesting. It says it's not the first time that he had planned to launch himself into the sky in a homemade rocket prior to the, uh, a prior attempt in 2014, earned himself injuries from intense G-forces and a rough landing. He's only recently become a flat earth convert after struggling for months to raise funds, hence the research flat earth slogan written on the side of the rocket. Not wow. like, it's not like yeah. a logo. He just like hand wrote it. I thought the Earth was round, though. No, no, no. Not, it's it's flat. not. Oh, okay. It's all flat. Well, and and DeGrasse. How do you say his name? Neil, Niels DeGrasse Tyson. Do, do you have the comment he made? What did he say? Well, he actually showed a, a picture of what oh, the no. solar eclipse or the lunar eclipse would look like if it, it would just you just see a one straight shadow if the Earth was flat was flat. Right. So we kind of know just by the eclipse see, that. 
how this works. But mm. that's I mean that's if you want to believe science. Science. Right. Yeah. But, but he's gonna find out <laughs> the idea is he's gonna get up high enough that the earth will be flat, there'll be no curve. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? So, so then he'll see. take a picture and prove once and for all it's flat. We live on a disc. Yeah, unless of course he's flying he has a concave uh windshield. Well maybe that would actually flatten out a well, spherical he, earth in the picture. One report I read was he was going to jump get up to altitude and then he ejects. He gets out of the rocket. That's a good and idea. Parachutes. He's really. I'm, but I'm he, not sure if that's how this is going to work. But that's how something I read. So yeah, that's, it's, it just seems. Which was my conclusion. This man was going to die. Okay. <laughs> but he never actually launched. Yeah. So we'll see. Well. And we'll know once and for all if the Earth is, as round, they say in show business, or flat, break a leg, or you know your spine, whichever. That's scary. Yeah. Ah! Do it for science. I don't think he would be alive long enough to make that type of a scream. Yeah. <laughs> His scream Rapid will not last that long. Okay, wow. Boy, what just, you miss. Just an update. We had the story last week. We're, yeah. I'm glad. I, I like that you closed the loop. We'll follow through there. Yeah. We'll see what happens. I'll keep watching. Mm-hmm. If he does indeed launch, we'll bring it to you. Boy. it's good stuff. Good stuff. Hey, uh, let's get to the empty news headlines. Empty. The empty news team. First on the scene. Fifth on facts. Empty. Uh, some of the listeners that I talked to, oh, you know, this weekend while I was away, they're they're telling me empty sounds like I mean it's empty, like there's nothing in our news. But Jeff, you're you're here to clarify, empty does not mean that. That's right. I mean, there's a lot of substance to this news. Yeah. Case and, in point. Yeah. Let's hear them. You tease this. Uh, a great tip, by the way. Yeah. Uh, a pink floral nightgown and black lip- lipstick. Didn't help a bank teller who was immediately recognized by former colleagues when she held up her former workplace, stealing $126,000. Oh, brother. So her name is Latasha Gamble. She took a gamble. She sure took a gamble. She's 24. (laughs) She's accused of robbing the Chase Bank branch at gunpoint, and uh, a judge ordered Gamble detained, according to court records. She's charged with bank robbery. Was taken into custody a few hours after the heist at another branch of the same bank when she reported for work as a teller, according to court records. Uh, the staffers later identified her by voice, lips, height, and weight. You <laughs> know, on. those lips. Voice, lips, height, and weight. You know what they say? Uh, those lips don't lie. <laughs> well, those lips did lie. Yeah, that's true. So uh, she said the cash was hidden in a dumpster. It's not been found. So there's $126,000 floating around out there. So, you know, if you're a little short on your Christmas funds, maybe you could go on a little treasure hunt. These people have worked with you for years. Yeah. They know your body. They know your lips. Lips, height, and weight. Yeah. They know you. It sounds like she didn't even disguise her voice because they recognized her by voice, too. Yeah. So uh, here's another one that you'll probably appreciate. Good. Another crook that maybe could have been a little wiser. Aaron Sullivan, 39. He's accused of stealing items worth more than $225,000 for multiple homes. Oh, boy. So that's a good good cash grab. However, um, he made a mistake because he left his cell phone behind and, believe it or not, his resume. Hmm. 
Why? I don't know if he left his business card, but he left his resume. I mean, just did it fall out of his pocket or was he like trying to get first in line in the job interview? I don't know. I mean, you know, when you're looking for a job, they say you should talk to everyone. So I guess yeah. that assumes even the people that you rob. Maybe that, you know what? That you might never not know. be a bad idea. He left behind a planner. I guess he's a, a door-to-door salesman. <laughs> so he left behind his planner with with all that info behind. Oh boy. So yeah. I guess the the silver lining, the the good thing that he did here was to to just put himself out there. Yeah. I mean, you got to respect a person that's willing to open their mouth or leave a resume. I mean, that's hard. It's hard to just go in and show your vulnerability. Yeah. And like, hey, I'm just looking for a job. You know, the one Give thing me all your money. The one thing that's missing from the story, but I wouldn't be surprised if uh, if he did it. What? There have been a lot of crooks that have been breaking into homes and then leaving it cleaner than when they found it. Yeah. Sure, they may have stolen yeah. hundreds of thousands Clean of dollars worth of, of stuff, but, you know, they, they like to leave it cleaner than they left it. Or when they found it, I mean. It's like a good scout. Yeah. And in fact, it, it reminds me of, uh, you mentioned it, the crook cleaners. One of our great, one of our great. Uh, what are they called? Sponsors. Ever wake up to find all your prized possessions have been stolen, but that your home has been left spick and span? Chances are you've been a victim of the crook cleaners. Like any good boy scout, the crook cleaners believe in leaving a place cleaner than when they found it. And that includes the homes they rob. In partnership with the Crook Closet, the only store where criminals can find the outfits they need to feel more confident on the job, the Crook Cleaners work hard to ensure your most traumatizing experience is also your most pleasant one. Just listen to some of our reviews on Yelp, where we have a surprisingly high 3.2 star rating. T.O.D. in Tulsa writes, I woke up to find my TV was gone, but so was the ring in the bathtub. Jackie O. writes, My current cleaners charge an arm and a leg and do such a poor job. I felt like I was already being robbed, so it's all good. Wayne Newton Love You writes, Please, can I have my TV back? Also, can I get the name of the cleanser you used on the kitchen counter? It's so sparkly clean. And Mad Dog 472318 writes, I hope these guys burn for all eternity. There will be a special place in purgatory just for them. However, they will also hold a special place in my heart. And the best part? No appointments necessary. It's like the old saying goes, Don't call us, we'll call on you. And you don't even have to be home. In fact, we prefer it that way. The Crook Cleaners. We'll take you to the cleaners, and then we'll leave your home cleaner. People generally have the misconception that in order to be successful, they have to postpone their happiness. Ironically, what research is showing is that happiness is the fast track to success. If instead of overworking and burning out, you take time to relax, to cultivate calmness, to stay present, and to be compassionate to yourself and to others, you will be more productive, according to researchers. You'll be more resilient to stress, and uh, you'll have more influence and more creativity in your life. Well, a few months ago, I spoke with Emma Seppala, who's the science director of Stanford University's Center for Compassion and Altruism Research and Education. She's also the author of the book, The Happiness Track. 
And she taught us how creating a life of happiness will enable success in our own lives. We began the interview talking about how happiness is not an either-or proposition. Yes, we have the misconception that in order to be successful, we have to burn ourselves into the ground and um, that we just have to pay the price uh, through high stress levels and, and so forth. And yet, if you look at the research, uh, we're at our most creative when we're in a relaxed state of mind. We're at our most focused um, and we have the most willpower you know, effortlessly if we are more, uh, more calm and if we take care of ourselves. It's, it's very interesting, no matter how you look at it, uh, we actually have our greatest potential when we are taking care of ourselves and feeling good. Huh. We're more charismatic, we're more focused, we're more productive. Uh, we have better relationships with other people and we're more charismatic. It's like we have, yeah, we have more, we're more in tune with who we are. We're probably more, we are more aligned to who we are. So, so what happens, where did we get off track? Why, where did we ever think that you need to kill yourself to get ahead? Why is that even happening to so many? The myth that's out there, and so everyone is doing it, and we're seeing everyone around very stressed, um, running from here to there. Technology has increased the pace of our lives, so we're being pinged all day long from our phone, from our text messaging. No matter uh, what it is we're doing, whether we're at work or in our personal life, things just seem to be moving at a faster pace, and so we feel like the only way we can just move faster. Ooh, Emma, we're losing you on your phone line. Um, uh, we, we, you kind of keep coming in and out. So if if maybe um, I don't know if you're moving around there, but it's it, so technology's running us, technology's pushing us, and um, correct. And then I guess that's what happens, huh? We we end up kind of falling prey to whatever is the most urgent starts to run our lives instead of whatever the most important is. That's right, and we're seeing everyone else do that as well. So we've bought into this view, but if you look at the research, if we actually took more time uh, off completely, so what we're doing is we're working at work, we're working at home, we've got our cell phones under our pillows or right next to our heads, we wake up, we check email, and so forth. That's become just a normal thing to do. And yet if you look at the research, we're actually more engaged and more productive, more focused at work if we actually completely disengage when we're not at work. Hmm. So... uh, Although it may seem more productive to be doing work emails at home, it will be more in the long run. You're going to do better, be more focused, and get more done when you're at work if you actually disengage, which will also contribute to your well-being and happiness. Yeah, it's that ability. It's, it's true. We, maybe we think we are. We think that we have to have this constant flow of it, but I guess really disconnecting and disengaging from. Uh, our work, it probably allows other creative juices to flow, which eventually they come back and we can use them in our work. Is that how that works? Absolutely. So we know that we're most creative when our mind is in delta wave mode, which means when it's completely at rest, even idle, it's that moment right before sleep. That's why we get our sometimes our most creative ideas when our head hits the pillow and we're like, oh my goodness, why didn't I think of this earlier? Hmm. Or when we're in the shower, that proverbial idea, uh, you know, aha moment in the shower. That's I, I had it just the other day. I couldn't I couldn't figure out this thing I was going to be teaching, and I just went to bed, and I had that kind of going on in my mind. But all night, I remember kind of thinking about it on some level. Woke up in the morning, had the idea. It was right there. There you go. 
That's right. And and right now, if you look at what CEOs value most and what they're looking for most in the incoming workforce, it's creativity. Of course, you know, the big buzzword out there is innovation, disruption, etc. And yet here we are trying to focus all the time and work, work, work with the idea that we're going to come up with the next big innovative breakthrough. And yet the secret to, to that kind of creative genius is actually taking time to be idle, to relax completely. Is it... I mean, I guess this too is the old, it's a new model of how we see our people, right? We, I guess, kind of through the industrial revolution, we used to just see people as interchangeable cogs. But now in the information age, people are more like a free agent. And if we want to keep these free agents working, uh, we probably need to know how best they work. That's right. And that's why we're also seeing that people are most productive and most loyal to a workplace when that workplace is a positive place characterized by compassionate, kind interaction. We spend more hours at work than we do at home, and yet sometimes we feel, people feel that their employees are, again, like you said, cogs in the system. But no, when you have that human touch at work, not only are you happier and your employees are happier when you're able, you know, when, uh, but you, are, you yourself also benefit from those positive interactions. So those are some, you know, breakthrough new findings, which really don't, they really are very intuitive to us. And yet um, it hasn't, that hasn't been the approach. Yeah. Common sense, not common practice. Not all stress is bad either, is it? I mean, isn't there some good stress that we need to have in our lives that also enhances maybe creativity? Absolutely. So stress is actually the reason we're alive. It's what propels us across the street just a little bit faster when we see an oncoming car or um, it, it really is if we get a surgery the stress response is what helps our bodies fight and recuperate. Hmm. However, we've gotten used to the fact that uh, we need to be stressed all the time. We have this idea that in order to be productive, we need to be running on adrenaline, literally, and that's why we over-caffeinate. We wait until the last minute to get things done. We over-schedule ourselves. Um, this has become common practice. And yet what, we, what we're doing is we're actually um, constantly living in fight-or-flight mode. And whereas, like I said, Good stress, short-term stress can really help you. For example, it can really help you get through that deadline. Over the long period, chronic stress just wears you out. And people are wondering why they're so exhausted when they come home, why they have no energy, why they need to drink more and more and more caffeine. But actually what we're doing is because we're completely exhausting and burning ourselves out. And there is a better way. And that's why I wrote the happiness track because I saw that happening all around me in these very high-achieving, high-performing universities and Silicon Valley I thought, you know, these are great minds, amazing potential, and here they are burning out. Hmm. And um, so that's why in the happiness track, I have a whole chapter devoted to resilience, which is, you know, again, you can't do anything about the demands coming your way. But the, the thing is, you can be more resilient. You can make your nervous system more resilient to those demands. So you're not constantly in fight or flight. You can also learn to manage your energy better hmm. by not constantly being in fight or flight, but still be at optimal performance. I love that, because as a guy that runs on fight or flight a lot, um, you you also talk about in the book about um, that we, we need to also focus on our efforts, not just our strengths. I mean, th- there was a big movement about the strengths movement, know your strengths. But in uh-huh. your book, are you talking about disavowing the strengths kind of movement or just managing your effort better? Really? When we take care of ourselves, we actually have all that it takes to perform at our best. Like I said earlier, when we actually take time off, we're more creative. We become more engaged at work. 
when we take care of ourselves, um, for, for example, a lot of people believe self-criticism leads to self-improvement. The research shows no. Self-criticism leads to absolutely self-sabotage. It's nothing more than actually shooting yourself in the foot hmm. in terms of your potential. And that's where self-compassion comes in. Again, it sounds soft. It's not. There's a lot of hard data to back up that if you treat yourself as a friend, you actually are more resilient. You learn in the face of failure. You grow from your mistakes. Um, so, again, what I'm, what I'm trying to get across in the happiness track is the idea that if you take care of yourself really well, if you take care of others, if you take some time off, you will have the optimum. Uh, you'll be able to perform at your, at your best. And um, so, you, you, so it's not a question of strength versus no strength. What I'm saying is that we all have the potential for creativity. We all have the potential for charisma. All we need to do is tap into it. Hmm. And, and really, it's so many people wear this kind of stressed out, neurotic, um, uh, workaholic as a badge of, I guess, honor. But you're saying it's just a sign. It's a red flag that they're going to implode, I guess. We're seeing 50% burnout across industries in the United States. We're seeing that 70% of the U.S. workforce is disengaged. We're in a time of crisis. And so, yes, it's normal. We think it's normal to live in the stress that way. We think it's normal to over-caffeinate every day. There's absolutely nothing normal about that, actually. Yeah. Yeah, you don't see a giraffe doing that in nature. Correct. In fact, some animals, if you gave them caffeine, they would die. You know, it's, it's very strong. And yet it's, it's a drug of choice. We don't even think of it as a drug anymore, but it is. And, and, and really, but it's, it's up to us. I guess part of this is you're trying to create a movement, an education-based movement, to shift away from the fact that you have to stress yourself to death to be successful. Instead, just, you know, be, just find – it's not even just like find peace. It's just be your best self. Calm down. Relax. And let your na- your natural success take over. That's correct, and yet that can be very difficult for many of us because we're so used to living in fight or flight, and we're like, "That sounds all great, but I'm a mom of three, and I'm working, and I'm single, and I've got a lot going on." Yeah. For example, right? Yeah, yeah. So I've worked with arguably the most stressed individuals in our society, veterans coming back from Iraq and Afghanistan with high levels of trauma and anxiety, insomnia, and so forth. And within just a week's worth of time, we did, uh, uh, we used the breathing interventions, an all-natural breathing intervention, and were able to reduce their um, stress levels and trauma levels to normal, uh, to, to, to a normal place. And what I, one of, that's one of the things that I describe in this book. So I'm not, I'm not just giving some great ideas with no practical advice. I really want people to take away something that they can use every day. And breathing is an extremely powerful way to tap into the opposite of the fight or flight, which is the rest and digest, so they can immediately calm down. And that is, um, that is one very powerful technique, for example, that I described. And talk, just talk about the breathing for a second, because what is it that happens to the breathing when we are in fight or flight? When we're in an anxious state or an angry state, our breath quickens and it, it, it gets more short and gets more rapid. On the other hand, when we're calm, when we're happy, our breathing is deeper and it's slower. Now, that's something we can experience every day. What we don't know is that research shows that if you change your breathing, you actually change how you feel. So if you deepen and slow your breath, you actually are going to start to feel calmer. For example, we know that on the inhale, the heart rate accelerates, and we know on the, on the exhale, it decelerates, it slows down. So when we take longer, slower, deeper breaths and lengthen our exhales, we start to calm our entire nervous system down from the inside out. Hmm. 
Isn't that amazing? And that's, I mean, I feel it when I do it. Just yesterday, my wife was like, why are you, why are you, uh, what was the word, like sighing? And I'm like, I'm not <laughs> sighing. I'm just breathing. I, I'm taking a big, deep breath because I need to calm down. That's exactly right. We have these innate tools, free innate tools within our nervous system to both maximize our energy and decrease our stress and and thereby decrease our burnout rates. You know what I mean? So yeah. that's just one of the techniques I describe, but I, I really care about this topic, which is why I wrote the book. I've seen too many amazing people burning out. Oh, yeah. I myself started to feel it. And I thought, you know, when I looked at the literature, I was like, we're doing this all wrong. And that's why I wrote the happiness track. I love it. I know you got to go. Um, so I wanted to ask you one more thing. What would you say, uh, other than buying the book, of course, um, what, what's the one thing that every one of us can do today? I guess also other than the breathing today to immediately start yeah. to find more happiness in our lives. Well, I'll give you two things. One, and this one you may have heard about, is, is this idea of gratitude. Um, the research on gratitude has been really burgeoning over the last decade, but really three times more positive things happen to us every day than negative, and yet we focus on the negative. That's just something the brain does. So if we can just do a simple exercise of remembering a couple things that we're grateful for during the day, or just looking around, pausing, and just remembering, wow, I am so lucky. I'm in a car. My heating works. I had three square meals today. I was, you know, I got to sleep eight hours. Like, just the basics. There is so much we can feel grateful for. So that's one thing. The other thing is service. If you do an act of service, of kindness to anyone, it could be the cash register person, it could be your colleague, it could be your neighbor, you will not only make them feel better, you yourself will feel better. And that is something that's one of the best-kept secrets to happiness that we have not always tapped into and that we should not only for ourselves but we'll also be making the world a better place at the same time good stuff good stuff very basic though huh but really research research founded now so absolutely well we appreciate you track is completely based on research every point i make is heavily backed up for sure that's beautiful emma seppola great work on the happiness track and uh, thank you so much again for being with us and good luck with the release of the book Thank you very much, Matt. Thank you. Take care. Again, Emma Seppala. Yeah, great stuff. The book's called The Happiness Track, How to Apply the Science of Happiness to Accelerate Your Success, straight out of the uh, Stanford Center for Compassion and Altruism Research and Education. Uh, Really, so if you're feeling burnt out, exhausted, stressed to the core, and you want better results in your life, it's probably time to take a break. I know it is for us. We'll take a break and uh, give you more tools, more information right here on the Matt Townsend Show. We'll be right back. Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show your tree shopping source of news. We like to bring you the news about any uh, issues around tree shopping because we care. Terry, take it away. Do you do you go with the artificial tree or do you get a oh, real tree? My tree is as fake <laughs> as my smile. Really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's just how we roll. Yeah, we, we've always done the artificial. It's just easier. My wife uh, was exclaiming to me because she put it up the other day. Our tree weighs like 45 pounds. I just picked it up and carried it upstairs. I'm like, I know. It's yeah. not that heavy. It's just kind of awkward to carry upstairs. Yeah. I think the awkward thing is fluffing it. 
Like when you've got to fluff it out and get right. all the little limbs out, that seems like, you know, that's not done in nature. <laughs> Nobody in that's nature's natural out fluffing thing. the tree. So what the, this story is out of Shawnee, Kansas. Mm. So does it, does it take you a while to get into the holiday spirit? If you don't make picking out your Christmas tree part of your Black Friday weekend shopping this year, you might not end up with one at all. Oh. For many, picking out the perfect live Christmas tree is a holiday tradition. Uh, different people, I mean, they really get into it. We're out there and the people out there that own these uh, tree lots or companies that supply the trees yeah. say they're out there in July trimming trees to make them look like Christmas trees. We're in the snow and sleet, and we're trying to sell them. They, you know, so oh, a year-long process. Job. But they're saying uh, one of those farms may not have as many trees as they'd like for you to cut down this year. Trees take at least seven years to grow. Seven years is when we had the, the 10-degree days all the way through August, and we actually had hand-watered all the trees to keep them alive. But something else dried up about that same time, the economy. Oh, boy. So fewer farms nationwide planted trees uh, right after the 2008 recession. Yeah. So now... Time has We're passed. Out of trees. You got your seven-year cycle. The trees are coming mature, but that was back in two thousand eight. And you can always use your health rider, right? I mean, that's what I hang all my clothes on. Just get some <laughs> exercise, exercise equipment, equipment and put it out there in the living room. So they're saying a trucker shortage, combined with many trucks still shipping supplies to hurricane-affected areas, has led to multiple Christmas tree farms and lots in areas and across the country still waiting and for part of their shipment, even with the shipment. To these places in Kansas, are talking about they'll have to open up the weekend after Christmas instead of or after Thanksgiving instead of on Thanksgiving, yeah. right? So they're they're pushing their opening dates. There's there's less trees. The recession in 2008 meant less were planted. Now they're coming about you know ten years. They're coming due. They're coming mature. They're not ready. Yeah. And so it's all these different factors are coming in. You could expect to pay about five to ten percent more for live trees because of the shortage. It's, so you know, boy. You know, it's a it's a scary time. What happens if all of a sudden you're a week into December and you don't have a tree? That's right. Then you're scattering. <laughs> and how does Santa, where would he place the presents? Right. Then, then you won't be making so much fun of me for being so prepared. Yeah, well, overprepared. Hmm. Wow. Yeah. Another story, Christmas tree lots are officially open, but you may be bringing home more than just a tree. A recent study published by Safer Brand found up to 25,000 bugs could be living in a single Christmas tree. Really? But experts say there's no reason to fear having a live Christmas tree if you follow a few simple steps. The best way to prevent bringing bugs into your home is to shake it. The tree. The tree. The the tree, not you shake it. I like to shake shake it. Well, I walked in, you were shaking it. That was embarrassing. Many tree lots. Got all the bugs out there. Many tree lots will do this for you uh, before you load it up, but you know, make sure. Just grab the tree and shake I, it. I worked a Christmas tree lot when I was a kid. Oh, talk to us about it. Was this. A, it was a fundraiser yeah. for my uh, scout, scout troop, yeah. and we funded like the entire year's activities, every scout camp, everything by one month's worth of selling Christmas trees. But weren't they like, Terry, quit shaking that tree? Well, no, they'd have us take it, and you, you, you'd bring it out for the customer, yeah. and then you'd kind of pick it up and then slam it on the ground so that all the the, the branches would flare out, and you could ah, see what the tree looked like. Yeah. And when you did that, all the dead uh, it would also all the dead needles would fall off. And the sure. dead rodents. So, right? And yeah. then hopefully all the that kind of nest. stuff goes flying out. Also, the squirrel, if you watch Christmas Vacation. Do you remember last year, it was a, it was a snake. That came out of a Christmas tree. There was a snake tree. in a tree. Here, uh, so we'll pause the bugs in your tree story for a moment. Uh, what age should I allow my six-year-old to watch National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation? 
Well, it edited. depends. Oh, oh edited. edited. Yeah. So you'll edit out the F word. Oh, that's all. Yeah. 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 So probably. Uh, he was watching it yesterday, so. Yeah, so he's ruined. Yeah. yeah. How Never do you mind. edit out all the fantasizing about another woman Easily. Scenes? It's kind of chopped out. It's on that freeform channel. Okay. Yeah. Plus, he probably thought it was more about the Ferrari than. <laughs> the Ferrari does not make an appearance in this film. Oh, shoot. Okay. So uh, they say leave the tree out in the garage a day or so. A day or so. Let things sort of settle out. Yeah, let the animals climb run away. Down. Check low hanging branches to make sure there's not any webbing, nesting, anything like that. Uh, Check for uh, birds' nests, you know that kind of thing. Make sure there's nothing in vacuum it. Vacuum your tree. They also recommend uh, different sprays. A uh, different kind of spray safe for your family, just to kind of yeah. kill anything that might be lingering. Yeah. I like the pine-scented sprays for my tree. Exterminators say uh, it's not what they, what is it goes on to say? When folks start moving Christmas things around, taking things down out of the attic, start bringing things into the house. Things that are hiding are now exposed and no longer hiding. So we get several calls where people start seeing increased activity. They see the yeah. exterminators yeah. reporting. Uh, there's some uh, talk of uh, some of the bugs will hibernate. Oh boy! And the, so they'll they'll go into the sleep cycle that mm-hmm. their body temperature drops, so yeah. they can deal with being out in the it's at, like Jeff. being cold. When they bring I would it love in, to hibernate. They enter your home. It's warm. They warm back up, and wow, they're awake and spiders. Let and me stuff. introduce you to my thousand children. <laughs> they all just climb out of the tree. So That's yeah, t- scary. Take some precautions. Yeah. Shake the tree. Shake Remember, shake tree. it. Uh, Check it. Yeah. Maybe vacuum it. Maybe. Get the cobwebs Le- out. Leave it in the garage a couple nights just to make sure. Yeah. Look, I'd, look I'd, for any houses, leave nests. It, leave your dog guarding it. Or your cat, if, yeah. you have, if you have a mouser. Wow, okay. Great insight. Again, only insight you get from the Matt Townsend Show. That's how we are here to serve. Up next, we're going to be talking to McKenna Baus. Baus in the house with a little mind bender. Straight ahead on the Matt Townsend Show. It's the House of Bows. Yes, it is the House of Bows. McKenna Bows joins us. McKenna is one of our great producers uh, who now is cramming for a school project. <laughs> yay, yay, yay. Welcome back. <laughs> Thanks. Actually, it's, uh, you've been back. I'm just back. Hey, talk to me. Uh, a lot of people are going to be making cookies and treats and all these wonderful baked goods mm-hmm. for the holidays. But apparently, we're not supposed to. There's a dough problem. Yeah, so, you know, we've all grown up hearing how dangerous it is to eat raw cookie dough. Don't, it'll, it'll kill you. You're going to get salmonella you'll, and Your die. innards will be turned outward. And so even with that, you know, there's then, you know, been, oh, well, then I'll make cookie dough without the eggs. Yeah. Cookie dough can still hurt you big time, even without the eggs. Really? How? So they've recently discovered that flour, just dry, uncooked Flour right. uh, does a really good job of hanging on to E. coli bacteria. Oh. Yeah. Ugh. And so it's this whole new thing where if you're going to be doing anything with uncooked flour, yeah. you wash your hands really carefully. Even if it's just like that homemade Play-Doh that you can make, wash your hands with hot, soapy water. Don't ingest the uncooked flour because you can get sick, majorly sick. Oh, yeah. You're ruining a lot of lives here. I'm ruining my own life here. I am. You're a cookie doughaholic. I am. I really, really am. 
Um, Boy. Yeah, no, just last night before I was reading this article, I was sitting there eating some cookie dough. What if it was in ice cream, like cookie dough ice cream? So the cookie dough that's in that, that has that flour and those cookie dough pieces have been heat treated. Nuked. Which is why you can't take that cookie dough and bake it like a regular cookie because it's already yeah, been heat treated. Yeah, I've tried so to you're bake fine. it. It doesn't work. Your chocolate chip cookie dough ice cream is totally safe. Um, but anything that you're doing with raw, unbaked flour... And it and it just it actually it just could attract E. coli or it could just grow. E- it can it can what? grow in there. I mean, the same they used to you know think this E. coli it you know just did really well in wet environments yeah. like hamburger meat right. or you know various vegetables things like that. It thrives just as well in arid, dry Jeff, environments. Jeff seems to get E. coli a lot. That is that's not fun. We don't know if it's E. coli, but he he eats at restaurants regularly and then is sick for a day. Yeah. So some of the common symptoms of, you know, this E. coli poisoning, whatever, is abdominal pain, mild fever, vomiting, diarrhea, nothing fun. Sounds like Thanksgiving. (laughs) Just a bit. I wonder what went wrong there. That uh, that's bad news. Yeah. And so they sort of discovered this because they had a bunch of people were getting sick and they were doing all these tests. They couldn't figure out. And it ended up coming down to these people were all eating the raw cookie dough um, and using flour from the same place. So, oh, but don't you remember just shoving cookie dough and just in your mouth? And yeah, that was you didn't even need cookies. I mean, I still might do it, but you know, it's maybe just only eat the raw cookie dough if you're one to live on the edge. Yeah, if you're like a real danger seeker. Yeah, you know, and you want that adrenaline rush, go mm-hmm. for the cookie dough. Wow. Well, I wish. I wish I was happy about this. I know. I'm not either. But again, if if they're processing the cookie dough just for you to eat, all they have to do is heat it up. Yeah. And nuke so, it somehow. you know, if you heat treat the flour ahead of time, mm-hmm. um, maybe, you know, bake the flour just on a sheet and then mix it in. Yeah. Then you're probably going to be safe. But be careful. Be careful out there, folks. No one needs to die of yeah, E. coli no. cookie dough poisoning. That would not be fun. McKenna Bowes, thanks. Blowing our mind. And our gut. Sorry. You're good. Hey, we're doing what we can, folks, to help you live longer and uh, lead healthier lives. This is the Matt Townsend Show on BYU Radio. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Your guide on the side. Follow Dr. Matt on Twitter at Dr. Matt Show. Call the show at 1-855-CHAT-BYU. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Dr. Matt Townsend. Now on BYU Radio. BYU Radio. Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. Dr. Matt here along with Jeff and Terry. The gang is all gathered. We're back together. One just tight group. Jeff's all quiet it's like you guys have been working two days and i am now just trying to catch up with y'all but uh doing my it's best. not like that that's exactly how it is wow you feel like i'm trying to catch up it's kind of rude i mean in a good way <laughs> rude but in a good way it's a good kind of rude hey a uh, great uh, show planned for you today we are going to be revisiting an interview talking about why someone disappoint uh, why some disappointment hurts us more than others and why sometimes when we are disappointed you know we people get angry we might get angry and and how disappointment and anger go hand in hand for instance if terry were to be disappointed in a marvel film yeah. that would hurt more than if his son 
said that his father was dead. Boy. <laughs> yeah. It's like that. Yeah, Terry gave us a rundown of every Marvel comic coming movie coming out in the next – it felt like 60 years. Yeah, I think he's got the next uh, few years planned out movie-wise. I've never seen a, an adult male more excited about anything. Like there's a trailer coming out today, I guess. I don't even get this excited about movies. And you love movies and tra- you do a show on it. Right. But you, you know how to control yourself. Exactly. Yeah. I love it when Terry's not in the room and we talk about him. Because now, if you put a plate of nachos in front of me, yeah, that's you, a different yeah. story. Mm-hmm. So you go for nachos. Terry goes for Marvel Comics. And I just go for our listeners because I care so much about you. You go crazy. I go crazy. <laughs> it's the only thing that they've laughed about. Mm-hmm. I don't know why. They've been – I don't know. It's kind of like you know, I'm a little off today. Yeah. Well, you did say you were trying to catch up. Yeah, I was a little off for two days, and now I've got to get on. Holy cow. So much to talk about. Uh, Boy, uh, news coming out of, um, I guess, NBC. Matt Lauer is is now been accused of, uh, I guess, what, sexual impropriety at work. Inappropriate sexual behavior throughout 2014. Yeah. And fired immediately. Bam! Like, which I think is really interesting how the media, when they have an, an allegation like this, they just they, – they seem to – now, now, I mean for years they didn't. But they seem to just jump on it and crack the whip. Uh, D.C., Washington, D.C. seems a little different. Wow. Yes, they had a system <laughs> set up basically to protect the, the, uh, the person being accused – yeah, and to use tax dollars to pay off the accuser, mm-hmm. and they're trying to figure out a way this week to maybe change that system. Boy, now but, that it's been exposed, but like to do that, it, it's hard because they 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 have some darlings. There, there's always their favorites, and when one of your favorites has been alleged to have done something, do you get rid of your favorite? Hmm. No, you have an ethics committee hearing on it. Which, yeah. Ethics, yeah, it's like Washington code for let it die. We'll just be quietly. Or just... you try to justify why you vote, why you should vote for someone because they're part of a, the party, not necessarily yeah. for the moral character of the person. Mm. The uh, the Bishop of Canterbury, yeah, the Archbishop, I guess, from in England. He uh, had an interview over the weekend where he goes, usually before I speak, I, I think about it. Should I say what's on my mind? Or should I say what's in my heart? Or should I, you know, basically, should I just say what I think or yeah, should I judge yeah. my words before? He goes, I'm going to say what I think today. Oh, wow. wow. I have no idea why people in the United States support President Trump with oh. the allegations that have been against him, with some of the, the you know, the, yeah. the things he said, the way, he, the way he carries himself. He's like, it is safe to say that there are questions about his moral character. Why are religious people supporting him? That's the bishop. That's uh, yeah of the Church of England on on what's on one of the networks in England talking about this, and he says there seems to be justification because your team yeah is running for office. Well, that, well, that, then you turn in. Well, what about what about what There's about lots of what about? And then everybody starts bringing up everybody else. Now he he was just talking about the president, but I mean, 
all across the mm-hmm. – people don't have great moral character. If you take all the people in Congress, put them together, not every person in there has great moral character. No. But if they are exposed, then people have to – they have to decide, do we support this person just because they're on our team, but that other person's so bad? Yeah. Even though – you know what I mean? Yeah. And there are very – I mean, the things that – with Al Franken, it's – it's nothing like what has been Roy Moore has been accused right. of, but it's a lot. But it's still bad. Like I don't know that I'd want a picture with Al Franken now. Yeah, I mean, that's <laughs> just, just like, don't fall exactly. asleep around Al Franken. So yeah. you have different, you know, levels of of badness. I guess you could say right. when it comes to all these accusations, but they're still bad, and they're just question about should you be a senator after you did that, and especially a senator for half half of the population that you may have that you may take advantage of. I mean, it's a. That's why the people of Minnesota are going to have to, I guess, going to have to decide. But then you have a problem if the Senate decides, say, either to kick Al Franken out or to block Roy Moore from taking his seat. You have just disenfranchised all his those supporters who put that person in that situation to be in, you know, the Senate. And we already have a weird divide in this country about feds versus locals Mm -hmm. and states. So. If a state elects people and then hands them to the feds and then the feds like, nah, we're not accepting this one, that's going to get ugly. But then if you also have a president that's saying, eh, we need him for the vote. Who cares what he did when he was 30 with 14-year-olds? Allegedly. Allegedly. We need a vote. See, that's that's like Machiavelli ends justify the means. Mm-hmm. It's it's a sticky wicket. And then where's our moral character as a people if this is how we're making our decisions now? Right. And you you don't want to like sound like self righteous like get thou to a nunnery, you know you don't want to be like that. But this is abuse. Is that you know, Shakespeare? I don't know where I came from. Huh. But this is abuse. It's abuse. And the, the other weird thing that came up is we also then couch like Conyers' argument mm-hmm. with the fact that. He has a he's a renowned civil rights. He's done so much. He's good. done so much good. And by the way, that can go together. I mm. mean, you can be Bill Cosby did amazing things for TV and families and people and major abuse allegedly. I don't know that he's been convicted yet, but exactly. a lot of people coming out of the woodwork. So right. why can't you can have both? It's just but now we're finally talking about it. This is crazy town. Mm. And honestly, we so it's weird for us to even bring it up because it's so much of this is allegations and but it's news and we need to bring it out. People need to be talking about this. You, this isn't this can't be brushed under the rug. No. This isn't going away. So ah, it's crazy stuff. Let's get to the rest of the headlines, Terry. What else should we be paying attention to? Senate Democratic leader Chuck Schumer and House Democratic leader Nancy Pelosi announced that they would not attend a scheduled meeting with President Trump on Tuesday after he tweeted that he doesn't see a deal being struck by meeting with them. Instead, the Democratic leader said they would meet with Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell and House Speaker Paul Ryan. We don't have any time to waste in addressing the issues that confront us, so we're not going to continue to negotiate with Republican leaders who may be interested in reaching a or who may be interested in reaching a bipartisan agreement, the Democratic leaders said in a statement. If the president, who already said earlier this year that our country needs a good shutdown, isn't interested in addressing the difficult year end agenda, we will work with those Republicans who are, as we did in April. So oh. they're saying 
if Trump's going to put out on Twitter that he doesn't see a, a, a deal being made here, what's the point of the meeting? Yeah, what are we meeting for? And then Trump sat in his the meeting room <laughs> with two empty seats next to him going, well, we're here, and they decided not to show did up. I guess they Twitter hate America. That, that was awesome. Did they put people in the seats? Uh-huh. Good, well, good, and good. just like, or like he's alone, he's alone at his birthday party. Nobody showed up for the birthday party, except Chris Christie was there in right. his beach chair. <laughs> <laughs> they pretty much. Nice. Yeah. By the way, I think it also shows you the optics at the White House are always about the president. Mm-hmm. It would have been so much smarter to have the Republicans on his side of the table showing the empty seats where the Democrats could have been at the table. Right. But include the Republicans that were at the room in the yeah. room. Instead, if you saw it was all lo- about the president, if you saw a long shot. They were like sitting on far ends of the yeah. table away from each other. And- yeah. Blew it. So that, that whole situation was bad. North Korea launched an unidentified ballistic missile Tuesday. The South Korean Joint Chiefs of Staff confirmed in a statement. U.S. officials later confirmed it as well. Early assessment indicates it was an intercontinental ballistic missile. The launch, the first since September 15th, came a day after it was reported that the Japanese government had intercepted radio signals suggesting North Korea would launch another missile. President Trump addressed the launch by saying, we'll take care of it, offering no details. Wow. By the way, that launch was really interesting because they... They shot it pretty much straight up in the air, yep. which I guess you have to do to get an intercontinental missile. Right. They wanted to show they could get the altitude, and but then, they didn't have the distance. But then it comes down, mm-hmm. and I don't know how well you can control this, into the fishing waters where Japanese fishing vessels are. Right. So if it hits a vessel, we're talking that's an act of war. Yes. So how that's, are that's, they sure they're not going to hit a vessel? They don't. I don't believe they that experts believe they can control it. No, it seems that's like that's always been the thing. Like they may debris. have the technology to launch the missile, but to actually guide it somewhere, they're mm. not sure if they have that kind of figured out. But they do believe that if it was on a traditional trajectory of one of those missiles, it could hit anywhere in the United States. Oh boy. Now could they actually target something? They could lob something over here, but could right. they say like pick a city and we'll hit it? I don't no, know. So if they it's have more that. like the blue water from an airplane. Yes. That's frozen. <laughs> right. And just falls randomly wherever. You okay. just sort of, yeah. Good. All right. Part. So it is a threat. Yeah. It's just maybe not imminent. Right. Okay. ESPN announced this morning that it will lay off approximately 150 employees with the majority of the eliminated jobs in studio production, digital content, and technology. So nobody you'll actually see on the network. Uh, yeah, ESPN's third round of layoffs since October 2015. Wow. The network cut approximately 300 employees at that point. The Washington Post notes, another round of layoffs in April cut around 100 employees, many of whom journalists were on the air. So that one, yeah. that one you actually saw if you watched the network. They've suffered a loss of 13 million cable subscribers since 2011. It's locked into expensive contracts with organizations like the NFL and NBA. So they have to try to balance it somehow, and so you get rid of people because you can't get out of these contracts. So, and their number of viewers keep dropping. Is that because what's happening? People yeah. aren't watching TV as much. No. They're cutting their their cable subscriptions because they're more and more expensive. This will also be spun. They're getting too political, and that's probably not the case because right. it's people cutting their cords. They're not watching TV as I, much. You know what? It's also something like Bleacher Report. So right. instead of me sitting and watching like the headline news for sports, I just go grab an app that plays me all of the best clips. I I watch. ES- I don't need commentary. I turn ESPN on during the day just so it's on something that doesn't like start 
yammering on about something, my kid's going to be like, "Dad, what's that all about?" You know, yeah. that, that's a touchdown, son. Well, yeah, it's sports. Yeah. Who cares? They don't. I mean, they're right. they're they're Safe. talking about this this guy, a good receiver or something, not about you know which politicians in trouble for doing what now. And my son gets to ask me, you know. Come, you know, there's th- things that your kid doesn't need to see. It's a safe channel. I just leave. Sure. I don't watch it. He's there's... asking you enough questions about Christmas vacation, right? <laughs> He's like, Dad, can we get that? Can we get a sled and grease it up and get down the hill? No, we can't do that. It doesn't work that way. Dad, is there a squirrel in our tree? No, there's no squirrels Son, in the trees. Focus. You know? That's a fun movie, though. Yeah, it is. We're hey, sitting there watching it the other day. Like, wow. Didn't you say Mom's turkey was that dry too? <laughs> then his fighting words. Finally, police in Germany say a woman dabbed playing cards with a radioactive substance as part of an elaborate scheme to cheat. Mm. This came out of the BBC. The 41-year-old restaurant owner in Berlin marked the cards with iodine-125, allowing her, or perhaps a gambler she was in cahoots with, I like cahoots. Ooh, I like that word. It's a word that's been used. To spot them with some unspecified detector. The substance is typically used in medicine and poses a health risk to those exposed to it without protective clothing. It was unclear whether the doses involved in the case might have been endangered the players around the woman with the doctored cards. Details about the scheme were scant, but investigators uncovered it with some nifty detective work. So both the word cahoots and nifty appear uh-huh. in the story. Great. First, a routine inspection of, of a garbage truck at a waste treatment plant turned up elevated levels of r- radioactivity. <laughs> All right. Authorities traced the load back to the woman's restaurant, and a subsequent raid t- turned up 13 radioactive cards. <laughs> it wasn't clear how much money the alleged scheme actually netted. Jeez. Wow, that was intense. Yeah, that's an intense story. <laughs> it had cahoots and nifty. Nifty. Let's try to use the word cahoots and nifty uh, throughout the rest of the show. Interesting. That would be nifty. Yep. We'll get in cahoots to make that happen. Did you hear about the ghost ships? This is scary. Ghost ships? Ghost ships. The movie? No. Are hmm. washing up on the shores of Japan oh, with right. skeletons on board. Mm-hmm. It is, really? Yeah. And what they're thinking is uh, soldier, so- sailors from – North Korea are basically being forced, mandated to go out fishing for North Korea to bring in the fish, but they don't know what they're doing. And then storms and other things put them adrift, and then they die adrift, and then I guess birds consume them mm. or animals mm. or whatever consume wow. them, and then their skeleton re- skeletal remains show up in on the shores of Japan. Wow. Crazy. Why do you have a grin on your face while you're talking about this? No, it's just so scary. Four of them, I guess, have have showed up over the last like five years or so in uh, Japan. Just an empty old wooden ship with skeletons on board. In other news, fishing industry not so productive in North Korea. Yeah, which is apparently why they're bombing Japan's (laughs) fishing. Are they just trying to – Move the fish back towards North Korea. Is that what this is? Yeah, is I a... guess that's what they're trying to do. Okay. Scare them back. Wow. Send the skeletons out. Crazy story there. Um, I thought it had to do with the uh, the uh, tsunami. Oh. We started having like empty ships showing up near Seattle because of the tsunami a couple oh, yeah, years I ago. that. And they had to go out and sink the ships because yeah. they didn't know if it was contaminated or whatever. So they just went out there and blew it up. But I thought that's what it was. But then you started saying, you know. But it might, it might, maybe it is from a storm as big as the Who tsunami. Knows? Who knows? But, it, but yeah, there has it's to a be... bad day when the ships are pulling in, <laughs> skeletal full of skeletons. Yeah. Wow. But I guess they're not, they're not alive. I mean, they're not. Right. What's the word? They're not. 
living. They're not active skeletons. They're mm. just they're they're just dead. Some skeletons are very active. Really? Yeah. I've seen a couple movies that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Coco. Yeah. I just saw last night. Yeah. Those those skeletons were dancing and singing. You saw Coco? Yeah. Last night? Mm-hmm. Sounds good. Was it good? It was amazing. It looks like a great show for kids. The best Pixar movie since Toy Story 3. <gasps> really? Good yes. music? Wow. Yeah. That was a provocative statement. Great wow. music. It'll make you cry. It'll make you want to do your family history work. When was the last time you saw a film that made you want to do family history work? Um, I have yet to see one. It was my big fat Greek wedding because I don't know if you know this, 7% of me, Greek. Wrong. Or Italian. Don't Wrong. Remember. Haven't done my family history. <laughs> I don't know what I am. That's, uh, that's a great – by the way, notice how you – you basically said one of the greatest movies since Toy Story 6. I said the greatest three. Pixar three? movie yeah. since Toy Story 3. Notice, yeah. Terry can talk for five hours about Marvel comics, yep. but it would never the make new, such a strong statement. The new Avengers movie is out? Yeah. Okay. Or the trailer's out? Yeah, don't even worry about going They're there. saying no. there's, there's another that. five movies in, in the plans. They have 20 more movies My. after that. It's going to go to 2028. It's going to be so great. If you go back and you look at the Pixar film since Toy Story 3, it's not like it's an amazing feat compared to what they've put out. Yeah. Minus maybe Inside Out, but I enjoyed it more than Inside Out. Mm. Wow. Are you going to review it on your show? I just may. Wow. Now that you've dared me. Well, don't get angry. I'm just (laughs) – Can I get out? I'm just asking. I just may. Wow. Wow. Somebody's got an attitude today. Yeah, well, I mean that in the best way possible. He's had a tough week. Yeah. What's with you being rude uh, in a positive way? Positive rudeness. It's one of my new goals. Are you going to do a workshop? Mm-hmm. I'm going to try Post to it online. Be, I'm going to try to be less direct in my rudeness. Positive rudeness. Yeah. More backhanded. With Matt Townsend. Rudeness. <laughs> no, of course not. Right next to your anxiety workshop, you'll have yeah. positive rudeness. Yeah. Well, yeah. It's one causes the other. Okay. Well. It's good money. So you way. cause the problem and deliver the solution. Mm-hmm. Nice. That's how we work. Um, <laughs> crazy. Straight ahead. Why someone's disappointment may hurt us more than their anger. Isn't that weird? You might, you might just rather have somebody angry with you than disappointed in you. We'll review an interview we did a few months ago talking about it. Stick with us. This is the Matt Townsend Show, helping you be the good in the world. Sometimes we can say hurtful things when we get in a heated argument. It's hard to imagine anything more piercing than a glaring look, a harsh reminder of the past, or the biting criticism of someone we love. But is there something even more hurtful than passionate anger? Sometimes it's the quiet disapproval rather than the explosive anger that strikes us to the core. I spoke with University of St. Andrews professor of philosophy Catherine Horley a few months ago to discuss her article, Why Someone's Disappointment Hurts Us More Than Their Anger. I began the interview by asking, is having someone disappointed in us healthier or less healthy than having them just angry at us? Well, that's a great question, and um, that's, that's what got me interested in this issue in the first place. I think a lot depends on who we're talking to um, and what we expect from them. But, yeah, you're right. When it's, uh, when it's someone we're close with, maybe a spouse, 
to hear that disappointment rather than anger can feel, it can make you feel small, it makes you feel like a child, and that can make you feel like there's a, I think in some ways a, a kind of deeper problem in the relationship than just a quick flash of anger, but maybe we can get over quickly. It's, it is. It almost puts you back into that kind of um, unequal relationship or hierarchy where it's something like your, your mom is disappointed uh-huh. and you're more like a child. I think that's exactly right, and that's not what we want to feel when we're when we're talking to a spouse or talking to our close friends. You know, when you're in an, an adult relationship, we treat each other as equals, or at least that's what we hope. And I think part of that is when you know when we do something wrong, which which we do, you know, and when we do something wrong, we don't want to be treated like a naughty child. We feel like we should be treated as someone, as an adult who's responsible for their action, and you know that that can be something that that provokes anger in other people. And when you don't get that feedback, when you don't get that response, it can make you stop and wonder, well, hold on, you know, what's going on here? What's, what kind of relationship is this? Mm. I don't want to be back at home with my parents when right. I'm, when I'm uh, talking to my spouse. It's funny. Unintentionally, you may put them in this kind of one-down place, this one-down position, and immediately they feel like helpless. I mean, is this, is this a pattern that we fall into or is this just a reactive thing? How does this come to be? That's, again, a great question. I think, I mean, everyone's relationships are different, right? So different things will happen to different people at different stages. But that sense of disappointment, I think, often carries with it resignation. You know, this has just happened too many times, maybe. I think sometimes when when we're in a a difficult relationship, the first few times things go wrong, we, we get passionate, we get angry. But when this starts to fall into a pattern, it's just, you know, someone's fallen again, you know, it's, it's, it's a problem that you've seen before. That's often when anger, I think, can turn into disappointment. And if you've reached that stage, it, it can be difficult to turn things around. And, it's, and it's, it can be puzzling, I think, for people on both sides of that, that, that relationship because, you know, it's, it's, it would seem strange to say, I want, I want you to be angry. I mean, anger is not something normally that we welcome. But if the, if the alternative is disappointment, then maybe... You know, maybe that is something that we need to turn back to. Well, and I mean, even if you're as a parent disappointed in what your child did, mm-hmm. um, it's I mean, I guess even then it's still I get I don't want my child to think that they have so much control over my emotion. That's right. I think that's right. So when you, I mean, we've all been there. I have kids and, you know, I, I can't say I never get angry with them because right. sometimes I do. But when you when you when you get that kind of hot response to, with your kids, you know, usually you realise afterwards that that wasn't the most constructive thing. It wasn't good for them. It wasn't good for you. Um, and so, trying to express when it really is a parent-child relation, if you can express that, you know, I'm disappointed, but I still love you, that can be the most positive thing because it can show them that you care, that you're engaged, that you want them to be better, that you think they can be better. But, yeah, but they are not able just to kind of press your buttons and get you worked up, get you angry when they feel like it. Mm. It's a uh, – I mean, I guess, too, with disappointment, it seems like we could get really good at just trying to guilt uh, and use guilt to, to guilt uh-huh. the person. Yeah, that's right. And I think that, that goes back to that sort of parent-child thing. Right? So to some extent, right, when, when, when you are, if you are a parent and you're dealing with a child – there's a little bit that, you, yeah, you want them to feel bad about what they've done, not bad as a person, but to reflect on, you know, the way in which they've, they've fallen short from your expectations and help, and 
to the extent that that will help them behave better next time around. But if that's just a kind of constant pattern or if you turn that into something that you're doing with your friends or with your spouse, then, yeah, it, I think it can be a form of manipulation. Hmm. It's a way of saying, well, look, I'm the mature one here. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm exerting some kind of authority over you. And that's, yeah, that's, that's not always good. Does it, how does it harm the relationship uh, down the road if we, if we overuse this, this disappointment mentality? Yeah, that's, that's a good question. I mean, I think sometimes it can be a sign of a relationship that's, that's already got some issues. So you can imagine if you, if you have to confess to your spouse that you've done something terribly wrong or, you know, an infidelity or something dreadful like that, and all you get back there is disappointment rather than anger, you might, that might be a sign that there's already, you know, there's already some kind of deep issue there. But... If we, you know, if we, if we, if we, find, if we express disappointment often and we never get kind of engaged emotionally with with people, then, you know, in a way, you are you're turning what should be an adult relationship into something that's more more distant. It's perhaps more appropriate for, you know, a, 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 as we said, a relationship with children or a relationship with your neighbours or your workplace colleagues, where you know, context in which we should keep emotions pretty kind of damped down. If you're into that kind of situation with your, your close friends or with your spouse, in the end, you're missing out on a kind of intimacy, I think. Hmm. Now, in, in your uh, article, Why Some Disappointment Hurts Us, Why Someone's Disappointment Hurts Us More Than Their Anger, mm-hmm. you talk about this reactive attitudes um, as Dr. or philosopher Strassen gets into. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, is a reactive attitude just kind of a behavior that we end up defaulting into without thinking? Yeah, I mean, it's a way... So when Strawson talked about reactive attitudes, he was trying to get a grip on the way in which, um, you know, sometimes we treat each other as peers and as people that we're really engaged with. We hold each other responsible for our behavior um, and we blame people when, we go, when things go wrong, praise, things when, praise them when things go well. And those sort of, sort of kind of engaged emotions he talked about as reactive attitudes... In other circumstances, we deal with each other just as kind of parts of the world around us, things we have to kind of, uh, we have to sort of predict what other people are going to do. We have to imagine how they're going to feel, but we don't really kind of think of them as, as moral people in their own right. And, you know, when we're, when we're de- dealing with each other, whether it's in the family or at work or in the community, we've got to get a good balance there. Right? We have to hold each other responsible for our actions, for what we do, for what we say, but at the same time, if we're constantly, you know, morally holding everyone to account and sort of totting up the balance as to who's done right and who's done wrong, that can be that can go too far, right? That can mm. make that can make life difficult. Sometimes we just have to kind of rub along with each other and realise that, you know, you can't fight all the battles and you can't be the person who's always going around telling people what they should and shouldn't be doing. Right? Yeah, because you become like the moral authority for the for the relationship yeah. or the friendship. Absolutely. And, you know, we, you need a little bit of that in a relationship if you're going to be honest with each other and healthy with each other. But that can't be the whole story, right? Mm. Because that's, 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 that's not what we want to be no. hearing morning, noon and night. Well, and you, you brought up a really good point earlier about the fact that if we are disappointed, disappointed almost connotes or denotes more of a resignation. Like mm-hmm. you're fed up. It also seems like it, it's a lot fixer, harder to fix. Um, uh, that than it would be if you're just angry. I mean, anger, I kind of know, will go away. 
but mm-hmm. disappointed seems like you're going to remember it forever. Uh, yeah, I think that's right. That's partly why it can hurt. I mean, I think one thing that can make a difference, right, is whether you say you're disappointed in the person mm-hmm. or whether you say you're disappointed about what happened or about what the person did or what they said. I think saying, well, you know, as we might to a kid, you know, I'm disappointed that you did that. That, I think, holds out the hope that, well, but maybe next time it'll be better. Yeah, right? Next yeah. time you'll live up to, to the standards or to my expectations. You can still be hopeful there. But when you say you're disappointed in a person, well, I mean, maybe they can change, right? Maybe they can right. do something about it. But it does seem a bit more like a judgment about their character, something that's going to be a bit harder to get over. So true. And again, that's with a huge. child... I'm sorry, go ahead. No, I was just going to say that's such a great way to look at it. Make sure if you're uh-huh. going to use the word disappointment that you tie it to an activity. I think that's exactly right, especially if you're in a situation where you're wanting the person... You know, you don't just want to express how you feel, but you want the person to learn something from that, to maybe Mm. behave differently in the future, to get a grip on what it is. You know, you don't want to just tell someone they're a bad person. That's that's kind of mean. It's not constructive. It's not not a good way to form a relationship. But if you can express what it is about what they did or what they said or what they didn't do that disappointed you, that, that I think can hold out more... Certainly more hope, and it's more. It can be more of a constructive or kind of learning experience. Yeah, disappointment. It's almost like we feel like we need to say something, right? So, if mm-hmm. I'm feeling disappointed, I gotta just say it. And you, you were guiding us before the break about how important it is. If you're going to be disappointed, make sure you point out what you're disappointed in instead of saying that you're disappointed in the person. Tell them mm-hmm. what they did. Um, do we do we have to express disappointment? Well, that's a great point, and I think the answer is no, right? I mean, for lots of reasons. Sometimes I think it's about picking your battles, right? Um, you can't, if, 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 well, it depends, especially if you're, if you're dealing with somebody um, who you're finding problematic for various reasons, whatever that might be, whether that's in the workplace or friends or family. If there's a lot of things that are making you disappointment and you, making you feel disappointed and you lay that all on them, that's not going to get you anywhere right. so that's partly a strategic question there about well what thinking what what's most important to me or what what do i think can be fixed here and maybe starting with that but also i think it's important to think about you know actually were my expectations reasonable sometimes you can feel disappointed about what someone's done or haven't done but when you step back and think about it you might realize well maybe that wasn't fair of me to to expect that of them um and i think this can be this can be difficult sometimes. We talked before the break about parenting and, and young children and so on. But when we think about relationships between parents and adult children on both sides, it can be difficult sometimes to know what, what's a reasonable expectation. How much can we expect each other to, to take account of mm. the other person's wishes and desires? And, you know, sometimes, sometimes a little bit of disappointment is inevitable. We can't, we can't always get what we want. Right. In fact, you bring up in, in the article, too, about context. Uh, the mm-hmm. context of the conversation matters, whether it's with spouse or partner or a work colleague. I mean, you really mm-hmm. have to manage your expectations and, I guess, your, I guess, your sense of disappointment depending on the relationship. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's right. And I think, I mean, sometimes people disappoint us really through no fault of their own. So you can imagine if you're, you know, say you arrange to 
to meet a friend for lunch and then she can't make it because she's sick or she has a family emergency, well, you're going to feel disappointed. That's part of what, you know, you hope to have a nice lunch, but it would be crazy to to sort of tell your friend off or to kind of express that as, as if the person had done something wrong. My disappointment in that kind of context, there's, there's no one to blame. It's, hmm. just, it's just one of these things that happen. And so sometimes, again, I think when we're feeling disappointed with what other people are doing, before expressing that, or when we're thinking about how to express that disappointment, um, it's worth, again, stepping back and thinking, well, okay, I wish things had gone differently, but is anyone to blame here? You know, has anyone done anything wrong? And if not, if the person's got a perfectly good reason for doing what they did, then maybe, you know, maybe that's not the time in which you should be expressing your disappointment. What other tools or things do we need to remember if we're going to express the, you know, our disappointment with what they've mm-hmm. done. Anything else that we want to make sure is is in the statement or in our communication? Yeah, I think we covered, I mean, we talked a little bit already about clarity, help, helping the person understand what it is about what they've done or what they haven't done, what they've said that is, is making you feel this way. Because without that, it's, it's going to be hard for them to, to know how to, how to change for the future. Um, I think if you can find a way of helping the person understand what it is about what they did that that is making you feel bad. Sometimes I think people disappoint us because they don't realize how important something is to us, like Mm. a a phone call or a card or whatever. Maybe to them it's it's nothing, but if we can make them understand why it matters to us, that that can really help for the future. And I think, again, it depends who you're working with and what sort of context you're in, but if you can somehow put that in the context of, yeah, I'm disappointed, but I love you, or I'm, I'm disappointed because normally your work is so great, so, you know, wrapping it up in something positive as well, I think that, that can really make a big difference. Yeah. Make people more receptive to what you're saying. And I guess, too, pointing out when they are doing a great job as, as opposed to only when they disappoint. Mm-hmm. Um, well, that's right. You know what I mean? As, as we, as we um, wrap it up, what would you say... I mean, is there a better word to use than disappointed? Can you think of one? I mean, because I guess the thing about it is it's all words are they're fair. They're negotiated. Right. So we could just frame it as another feeling. That's right. I mean, it it depends what you want to get out of it. So sometimes I think we do just want to express how we feel and that's that can be healthy. But I think also if we want to if we want to influence people to maybe behave differently in the future, I mean, one way of think, one, one more positive way of expressing disappointment, I think, is to say, well, I know how good you can be. I know what you can achieve. Um, and it's a shame that you didn't reach that high standard of the, on this occasion. Yeah. Or, yeah. you know, it's a shame things didn't go well so well this time. I think that, that can be, especially for maybe, you know, as we talked about before with a child or someone who's still learning, um, as it is, we often are all still learning, Giving that kind of positive spin about what people can do mm. um, can make it, can I think, help the message go across a lot more easily. Good stuff. Well, we appreciate you, Catherine. Thank you so much. And keep up your great work on uh, on everything. Your book, Trust, a very short introduction. You can go to her website, katherineholly.org, uh, katherineholly.org, or look her up on Twitter, Holly Catherine, at Holly Catherine. Um, great insight, folks. Careful. Disappointment. It carries a heavy, a heavy load. We will take a break, come back, and uh, visit our good buddies at BYU Sports Nation. Find out what's going to be up on their show at the top of the hour. This is the Matt Townsend Show.
Welcome back, friends. It's time to shoot it down to our good brethren at BYU Sports Nation, see if they can figure out the mystery of where Eli Manning went. Uh, I don't know. I don't know if he's actually missing. I think he was just benched. Let's get to Spencer and uh, Jerem. Hello, gentlemen. Yeah. You guys there? Hello? Hello? Bueller? They're, uh, they're, what they're doing is they're conspiring. Two conspiring sports professionals. We're going to try it uh, again. Spencer and Jerem, can you guys hear us now? Yeah, we can. Hello, gentlemen. Hi. How are you? Good. You're back. Spencer's back. Yeah, were you I gone too? Before, well, you, he was in Hawaii, bro. Oh, that's right. No, I saw that. He left. He looked great. Friday. Friday. It looked windy. It was very windy. <laughs> Holy cow. But a nice warm windy. Yeah, like, that's the difference. Yeah. Not not the cold windy. That's never good. No, but I did meet uh, Reno Mahe's family. Oh, neat. Who work at the Polynesian Cultural Center. Oh, fun. And it was 73 degrees and windy. Mm. And his mom was like, oh, it's cold today. <laughs> You're like, come on. Like. Do you remember Salt Lake? I could get used to this cold. Oh, that's nice. By the way, my my daughter and my grandchild and my son-in-law were all there. They should have. I had. A, nice. I should have told them to come find you. They why could, didn't they? Maybe why didn't you? Take them to dinner. Next time. And we'll get it next time. All right. I was kind of busy. Because I'm in Hawaii so often. Yeah. Well, you it got It only the... took me 35 years to get there. Yeah. But you're there now, man. You're in the big league. <laughs> so you went you, when you were 10? Right. Yeah. Yeah, right. I felt bad for Jerem. I felt like, like why isn't Jerem in Hawaii? Sore spot. Let's not talk about it. Okay. Jerem will have his opportunities again and again and again. Mark it down here. I'm telling you. I think you did a great job. I'm just happy to have a job here. No. Get in line. Be- because I'm having this little midlife crisis as they're Uh-oh. throwing, uh, they're benching Eli Manning. That was an interesting press conference, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, to watch him hold back tears, like you think football matters to him? Oh, boy, yeah. Holy cow. But, like, if they can do that, I mean, sure, he's having a bad year. But yeah, l- listen, they could bench a, any of us. There's a story to be had there, man. If you're not good enough, Jeff's coming in. <sighs> so you better be good enough. No, but they say that every day. Even even if you've beaten Tom Brady. No, I know. I, it doesn't matter who I beat last that, year. That was, that was then. This is now. Yeah. No, and the funny Be thing your is, best today. you know what, Jeff, Jeff always brings up my health. He's like, you don't look very healthy. You could, it seems like, like you could drop at any time. He's like, you look like heck. Yeah. <laughs> Try living with that. So it's, I've got <laughs> Jeff on one side that wants me to die so he can take my spot in a Dies loving, a little it, extreme in a loving way. I mean, it's not, he doesn't, he's not like dangerous, but then there's Terry on the other side that reminds me of LeBron getting kicked out of a game for the first well, time. Finally, jeez. Know what I mean? That's like he hasn't been kicked out of a game once. Are you? Isn't that, that amazing? Uh, that was crazy. Not, like right now, Yoli Childs is averaging like one point eight fouls. I'm like, he's not being very aggressive on defense. Yeah, be more aggressive. Get kicked out. It's okay to occasionally get two fouls and cost the team the entire. Fruit. Okay, you're right. No, no, no. Bad point. Bad point. <laughs> See, bad point. But I, I just think it's we're seeing a lot of weird sports news, and I'm wondering if that's you know has something to do with Trump. No. Okay, just checking. We, Leave him out of this. You'll fire it. I always, you'll fire it. I always like to just check. Uh, LeBron, that is pretty amazing, though, to go your entire career not ever getting ejected from a That's game. Wild. But don't you think now, do you think he's a little disappointed? Like, ah, oh, I shouldn't, I, I could have gone the rest of my life not doing that. No, because it's the regular season and it doesn't matter. Okay. 
Yeah. It's all about the playoffs. That's what it's about. Last year was like, the Cavs are the two seed. Oh, my goodness. And they went to the finals. Like, it's okay. I like it when you go into that kid voice. And, I don't know, know that I would call that a kid voice. It's the voice of an irrational fan. Oh, is that what that like is? The, like, I'll put on the, physically, I'll put on the blue goggles. Okay, I have the blue goggles on. A staple of our show. Stung. They gotta get it together, man. Are we even gonna make a bowl game next year? It's like, to me, it's the voice of Cougar Board. It's, it's funny. Uh, it, you've gotten really good at this voice. Is this a, is this a common it's voice? A, it's not a compliment. Unfortunately, we've had to use it all too often. Uh, losing to UMass. What's that, man? <laughs> They're they're re, they're retooling. I mean, uh, yeah, we haven't talked about all this, but uh, it seems like they jumped on the Ty Detmer thing really fast. It was wow. surprising to me. Wow. I thought he'd get another year. I really I thought that he would have at least one more year, and that there would be a co-offensive coordinator yeah. there somewhere. It's Ty Detmer, man, or some assistance. But yeah, and, something. And, and I said yesterday on the show, I think we need to separate Ty Detmer the player from Ty Detmer the coach. Done. There you go. And Ty Detmer the player will always be here. Does that make yeah. sense? Yeah. He'll always be here. But Ty Detmer the coach, there was a lot that happened. Some controllable, some uncontrollable, and uh, somebody was going to take the fall for what happened this year. Yeah. And as of now, that is Ty mm-hmm. Detmer. He could stay on if the new offensive coordinator wants to keep him. To me, that's a little awkward, but it could happen. Well, and it – He's still uh, – isn't he – I just keep hearing, I don't know him personally, that he's an incredible football brain. Is that true? Here's yeah, how I yes. explain Yes, are his concepts 2017? Uh, or are they uh, a little older that he's trying to insert into the now? Yeah. That's not a bad thing per se, but it didn't really work, mm-hmm. even with Taysom Hill and Jamal Williams. It takes time. Would BYU have turned a corner next year? We will never know. Yeah. Well, and man – now the pressure's way on next year because – Yeah, do you want to be that guy? You've already scapegoated Detmer, and boy. It's an interesting time. Oh, boy, yeah. Because BYU needs to put up some points, and they need to be really competitive. I think they might need to make a bowl game for things to keep going the way they're going. I mean, why not a national championship? Uh, get out of here. Okay. That's not even possible for a group of five team. Oh, that's true. UCF's undefeated. They're like 14th. In the- yeah, not even on the – yeah. Yeah. They're not even top 10? Come on. Complete disrespect. That's messed up. That that's messed up. That's messed up! Sorry. Hey, uh, what's on your show today? Uh, it is show number 1129. Mm. Oh, big show. 1129. Oh, snap. <laughs> <laughs> and BYU basketball is on a vengeance tour, starting with their <laughs> first ever road match against Utah Valley tonight. Oh. <laughs> In a sold-out UCCU center. Is that what it's called? I think so. Yeah. yeah okay. Live on BYU TV and BYU Radio. Yep. That's exciting. What? No, listen. What? It's going to be packed. No, it's it's going to be awesome. The crickets will be you, severely you won this game last year. outweighed I know. by 8,500 fans. First ever sellout in that Some building. of which will be BYU fans. Wrong. <laughs> Can you guys okay. feel Jeff's spirit <laughs> communicating to you? <laughs> It's very good. You're fired. All right, so you're going to talk about the big game. Yes. Anything else? Uh, yeah, what attributes do you want in BYU's new football offensive coordinator? If you had to handpick them, what would they include? Humor. Well, Ty Detmer had plenty of that. You need humor to get through this thing. I don't know. I don't know 
if humor is going to be a requirement. Yeah, I doubt it. <laughs> I, have a, I have a doubt about that. We're going to talk to Mark Pope as well, the head coach of the UVU Sturs, former mm-hmm. BYU assistant. He has three former BYU Cougars on his roster, two of which play a prominent role. Yeah, he called us out on Twitter yesterday, too, specifically BYU Sports Nation. Did he? Yep. He so said, let's like, do this, BYU Sports like, Nation. You know what? Come on the show and let's talk it out. Wow. We love Mark. It's intense. Yes, we do. That's a good show, guys. I feel, uh, yeah. I, I feel the love. I feel Spencer's it's, back. It's gonna be. It's yeah. Spencer's back. Back. I'm back. I survived the red eye flight. Which <laughs> I do not recommend. I was just telling Jeremy. I do not recommend that red eye flight. But that's what you get when you want to stay a little longer to get some sun. Well, even if I hadn't stayed longer, I would have been coming home on the red eye. Yeah, so. it's just how it works. Yeah. Well, we're glad you're back, and you look good. You look tan and hot, and and anybody that wants to see it, all you got to do is turn to BYU Television, and you can you can just totally take in. The tan, Spencer. Well, probably the burnt. The lightly burnt, Spencer Linton. Speaking of burnt. And slightly wet because it's rather humid there. Yeah, it is. But it's a good humid. It's a dry humid. <laughs> what? They always, you know, it's, a, it's cold, but it's like a, it's a, it's kind of a moist cold. It's like a damp cold. It's the worst cold there is. Hey, we've got a hero story for you. As you know, we always like to leave you uh, with a hero story. Today, it's a heroic Good Samaritan that saved the day for a woman after robber a robber snatched an envelope from her hands containing thousands of pounds in cash as she left a bank in Lanc- Lancashire, uh, England. The 68-year-old had uh, collected $3,350 from the counter at her bank. Police said the gray-haired man grabbed the envelope containing the cash as she left and ran off with it. Community leaders described the thief as absolutely despicable, but a uh, Polish man spotted the robbery and chased the thief down the street, grabbed the ba- uh, back the money and returned it to the shocked but relieved pensioner. Police held the man as the hero of the hour for his prompt and brave actions. Detectives said they're examining CCTV and other uh, tests to uh, to figure out who that person was, that crazy, horrible, despicable person was that took the money. Anyway, because of that uh, wonderful Good Samaritan, problem solved, folks. That's the job of a good hero right there, and that's why we uh, like to highlight him for you. That is the show. We'll be back again tomorrow. More ideas to help you live longer and love stronger.